As I mentioned near the close of the last record, this record you are now playing is another example of the completion backward principle. If you can possibly manage the time, please play both sides at one meeting. To be. This is small town music, this is big town music He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it If only he could prove it Well, tomorrow's just a song away A song away, a song away Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic I'm Pat Francis, and tonight I am I'm at a, a, a remote location <laughs> I'm in uh, I'm in Venice, California. It's not that remote. No, but I mean, uh, it is west of Lincoln. So, which, which is you, you need to always stay I west meant, of Lincoln. I meant remote from where we usually record. Uh, and the gentleman that was just talking—that's uh, that's a legendary uh, lead singer of the Tubes. Uh, that's Mr. Fee Wable. Hi, Fee. Hi. How are you? I am good. Now yeah. I am uh, I'm solo tonight. I am uh, Kyle is not here. Producer Kyle, young Kyle. My nephew could not be with us tonight. Uh, he got uh, held up at work, which happens when you work in TV production and things uh, like that. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm here solo, but uh, I'm fine with that. I'm at uh, Mr. Fee Wable's house. Pretty cool location. I'm not going to tell you what it is, <laughs> but um, this is cool. So Fee, uh, nice to see you. Thank you for opening up your home to the show. Oh, it's my and, pleasure. Um, I came what with, there is of it. I came. Well, it's uh, it's amazing. I love everything it. in Venice is so small. Everybody in Venice is a minimalist. But you're big. I'm big, but I mean, I don't have any. I gave away everything. I don't have anything. I don't. I gave away all my shit. So you don't have a storage facility. I don't have a somewhere. storage facility. I have a few. Uh, I have a few boxes of old, mostly tubes, costumes mm-hmm. and shit, in uh, in Elizabeth's garage. My. my 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 world my girl elizabeth uh my wife uh it's in her garage in her house in beverly hills but i don't know i don't i really i don't live there i live here and i i don't have anything there's nothing <laughs> if it doesn't fit in the stuff you see then it's no you have you have no, what I'm, you need you have that, a couch a refrigerator right. your laptop i, have a, I have a laptop i have a desk i have a i have a Desktop. I have a kitchen. I have a refrigerator. I have everything. I uh, and I have you know. I am so not a minimalist. I have so much crap. Right. And I'm like, right. you know, I'm like, what can I? Can I not? Can I not? Can I do without this? Yes, I can. Do I want to get rid of it? I not yet. <sighs> not yet. You haven't picked it up in ten years, but you're keeping that's, it. That's that's the test. Right. If I, I'm like, I'm never gonna. I got rid of uh, video cassettes recently. I had like, Ooh. I had like concerts, you know, like cheap trick shows and oh, stuff yeah, on video yeah. cassette. And I'm like, all right, am I gonna dub this over to DVD? Transfer all of this. And, I'm, right. and I said, okay, what if I do that? Am I gonna watch it then? I'm like, I'm not. No. So in the no. trash. I know no. some people are horrified right now, but no, I know. I just, well, that's uh, one thing. You know, I've got all these tapes of the tubes. I can't. I, I haven't done that yet. They're still in boxes in her garage and i'm thinking what what how you guys might be able to archive that or release it someday maybe no you know what i mean i mean it's not mixed it's not mastered i mean uh, right but i mean that that stuff i can't i can't sell a trick tape but you that's yours that's your babies that would require effort a lot of effort on someone's part is there is there very much money is there a member of the band who is like the archivist uh well if it's you, you're not pulling your weight. No, I'm not. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> not me. Uh, well, there hasn't been one since since we all broke up. And Mike Cotton is really the archivist and always has been. Mike and Prairie. Okay. Prairie still has all those old posters. I guess now, for for Prairie is now the guy for for since since like what 88 mm -hmm. when we split up for a while mike went to new york and mike's putting together the video the tubes oh, white cool. punks on dope video which he's been trying to put together for gosh 10 years now wow. i mean we have a t it's so great we have a ton of footage but you know no one wants to put up big money to because right. they figure they're not going to get it back so so the, but uh, it's either it's so prairie now when we okay. when we do like an archive album we've done a number of archive albums three or four in the you know in the last few years and uh, he always comes up with these pictures and these posters and all this <laughs> you just go where did you get you still unbelievable you know when he shows you stuff is there anything so, that you don't remember do you go like well, I I don't even remember ever seeing this before. There is. There's two. There was just so much stuff, and we did it all ourselves. They did. Barry and Mike did all those posters in the beginning. They did everything. Every poster, every photo, everything. Prairie so, does the cover uh, drawing on the Now album. Yes, that's a, that's an amazing album cover. I all, love it. We did all those album covers. Every one of them we did ourselves. Either Prairie's Mike or Prairie or Prairie's eyeball is on Outside Inside. Yes, isn't that his brown eye? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually. I'm not sure. I thought of that. it was. I'm not sure no, if that's his eye or not. I'm not. I'm not really sure. Well, you, but I know that it's. It's you know they did it. They yeah. did the cover. They did the photo. They did everything. Now the, the the members of the band that aren't aren't currently in the current touring lineup. Are, are you guys still friendly with those guys? Yeah. Well, because there's only two. Mike. Mike. Yeah. And and he lives in New York City, mm -hmm. and he has all these years. Same place. He's got. Every, I mean, every time we go to there to play, mm -hmm. we see him and. He'll have us all to his house, and we'll look at the latest incarnation of mm -hmm. the the tubes video, yeah. White Punks on Dope, and uh, and we'll all go, oh yeah, and we'll talk about, oh yeah, this guy wants to really put up half a million, and blah blah, yeah, right, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, and then pff, done, we're on to the next, uh, and then Bill, I haven't really, I I always communicate with Bill, mm -hmm. I haven't seen him in a long time. He lives in uh, Vallejo. Uh, with his wife, okay. and uh, he's doing fine apparently. But I only see him or talk to him when it comes to business stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, publishing, you know, songwriting stuff. Stuff you know, they want to use your song for this or that, and this is how much money they're, you know, that kind of stuff. And if, so, and then of course, sadly, we have a member that's no longer. And with Vince us. is no longer with yeah. us, right? This will be sixteen. Was ten years. So it's been eleven years. It's sad. It was June is actually eleven years ago. June, very sad. And uh, uh, but the two guys, uh, let's uh, Bill and Bill and Mike. They're not in the band just because they don't want to be in the band anymore. Right. Pretty much. I mean, Mike didn't want to go. When we got back together, we mm -hmm. we broke up, and and there was about a, a span of about. Uh, what seven years? Yeah. Six or seven years where we didn't. Uh, they played for a while without me with this other guy, David Killingsworth, who used to be uh, the bass player to Roger's band year before okay. the Tubes from the early seventies, and that didn't work out, and uh, uh, and then they just stopped for a while, and uh, and then uh, and then we got back together uh, in what ninety four, yeah, something I think like that's that. what it was. 
Now, yeah, and nothing against this guy that uh, replaced you for a little while, but Dave. The, Dave, I like Dave. He's I'm Dave, sure, and, and his name was David Killingsworth. He was a. I mean, he's the guy. I mean, we moved to air. We moved to San Francisco together, Dave okay. and I. And Dave was the guy mm-hmm. who told. He was the guy that. He was the guy that changed my life. Oh wow! He was the guy that when I was living in the mountains before when 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 Rogers Band was just the Red White and Blues Band from mm-hmm. Arizona, and there was a trio, and it was it was Prairie and Roger and Dave. Okay, and they didn't have an equipment guy, and they did gigs, and they did this kind of kind of eclectic Jimi Hendrix and kind of real very. LSD kind of material, okay. a lot of original material, and they and I at the at that time, I had oh jeez, uh, I got a I got busted for smuggling, <laughs> shit, a half a gram of marijuana over the board. That's a, another long story. Fuck, I could do a whole podcast on just the <laughs> trip to trip to Mexico. We, we were gonna go and and smuggled back a kilo so we didn't have to buy kilos from other guys to sell because right. we were pot dealers and me and Jim and we got busted. We didn't even get past the border and we got busted and they put me in jail for half a gram of half a gram of loose marijuana in a aspirin tablet bottle. It was that much in a, in a bottle and they busted me, took my car away and I was going to school at the time at Arizona state and uh, my second sophomore year and I flipped out, and I finally I got back home, and I went, "Fuck you, fuck the world! I'm leaving. I'm dropping out, just like Timothy Leary mm-hmm. said. I'm dropping out." And I left, and I left Scottsdale, and I moved to Jerome, which is a ghost town in northern Arizona, with a bunch of hippies. And there's about ten or twenty and, of us. And how old are you at this point? Eighteen, nineteen? I was no, I was nineteen. Nineteen. I was nineteen. 68 and uh, 60 I was 18 69 shit I can't even remember anyway I we moved I moved to I moved to Jerome I moved I dropped out completely out of the world and about 20 of us did and we moved to Jerome and Jerome Arizona is a mining town where there used to be a copper mine that a company named Phelps Dodge ran they sucked up all the copper and they fucked off Immediately. So it was, it was really a ghost town. It was a ghost town. And there was a, the whole mountainside was pocked with these copper mines, holes in the ground. Everywhere you looked, there was a hole in the ground. And on the side of the mountain, this was all on the side of the mountain. It was called Mingus Mountain in Jerome. And there was all these shacks where the miners lived. Well, when the company went out of business, the miners fucked off too. So they were just vacant. They were all vacant. So you could just take, pick one. Just squat. Whatever you have. The, the, the town didn't care. There was no mayor. There was no nothing. The whole place just took a shit when the, when the mine shut down. Because the whole place was... Oh, shit. Sorry. That's uh, okay. The whole place was Phelps Dodge. Everything. The store, the mine, the... I mean... Now, it was, it was all, so when they, they left, they closed down their plant. They had a gigantic slag heap about, fuck, it was like 10 football fields long and, and as high. It was gigantic. But there had to be like one grocery store and one of these oh, yeah. and one there of that. Oh, yeah, there was still one of, yeah, there was still people that had lived there this whole time that, you know, there's old, mm-hmm. these old couples that had been there for 50 years and, uh. They were just happy if anyone was coming yeah, to buy it. Yeah, and so we, we stayed. I lived there with them, all these hippies. I lived there for a while, 
and uh, not very long. And boy, I finally I just said, boy, this sucks. I had no money and no food, and I just you know no way to wash clothes. So I went to work, which leads me to the other thing. When I uh, we grew up, I grew up on a horse. My family had horses. The reason we moved to Scottsdale, Arizona, was because my it was too cold in Omaha, Nebraska. My dad had a horse called King Midas. Because you were born in Omaha. I was born in okay. Omaha, right. And we had a horse ranch there. And my dad had horses. And we had this one horse. His, called, his name was King Midas. And he was so off the scale that he was worth a fortune. And he was a parade horse. He was a Palomino parade horse. And he had a gigantic silver saddle and this all the silver bridle, silver everything, silver shoes, all the whole. And he would do this parade classes. They had a, in horse shows, they would have a parade class. And that's when the horse looks like they're like doing right, tricks like, kind of. Right. They, they look elegant. And he had pranced with a big. Pranced. That's what right. I'm they had this gait where they lift their front feet mm-hmm. way up and prance and kind of, you know, so that's why you were telling me before we started recording that you play, you like to play polo. Right. Because we grew up on a horse. So it was all about horses. Now, do you own and a horse currently that you use to currently when you play I, polo? I, yes. I own five horses. You own five horses. Yes. But they're not here in Venice. No, they're not in Venice. <laughs> I don't have a backyard, so they're not out there or a front yard. So how often do you see these five horses? They're at that. Well, one horse is retired. He got hurt playing polo. And mm. so he's... he's in a pasture with a bunch of retired horses up north and the other four are at the california polo club where which is an arena polo club that i play polo at on thursday nights under the lights and on saturday morning in the in our arena we have our own arena i would love if it was an all rock star game but it's not that would be one on one on no one (laughs) right (laughs) there's no other rock stars uh, now, do you do you so, rotate them, or is there one that you always? Yes, you rotate. Okay. We, you, when, when when I call up, I say I want to play four chuckers. A chucker is a period, like okay. a like a period. One period is seven minutes and thirty seconds, where you ride, you know, full out for a. You play polo, hit the ball around with the mallets, and play against another team, and for th- you know, and then after that period is over, you switch horses and you get another horse. So I can play four chuckers. Usually, we have about. During the evening, we have about six to eight chuckers. So they'll fig- just kind of figure out, I'll play two, four, six, eight, whatever. Gotcha. You know, something. You know. and, uh, and so that's what got me out of being a hippie is I, got, I, I went to work for a cattle rancher because I could ride. Yeah. So I went to a cattle rancher and said, well, I can ride and I'll work for nothing. Just get me the fuck out of Jerome. <laughs> and so I moved to Cottonwood into this ranch with Dave Perkins. And I went to work as a cattle rancher and became a cowboy and went to ride the range every day and did a whole cowboy thing. And I didn't cut my hair. The, all the cowboys in the neighborhood wanted to cut your hair because it was long. I had long hair. But uh, you stuff it up under a hat? I had, No, I didn't. No, just I had a big let it hat down. And just let it hang there. Did, um, so, uh, you know, as you get older, a lot of sports are more difficult to play. How, how does that... How's polo? Well, or is the horse doing? The horse does, does a lot of the work, work. Right. but still swinging that mallet, and you, you got to be on it. Yeah, you got to be able to ride. There's, it's like a English saddle. I would think good. I mean, there's nothing to hold on to, but your legs hold yeah. it onto the horse. Good eyesight, I mean, and you have to be able to hit the ball. I went, before polo, I played baseball. I started sports as a baseball player. My dad started little league in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I started playing ball when I was like eight years old. And I played ball all the way through school, 
through high school, college, I kind of got away from it. When I moved to California, I kind of got away from it for a while. But then after I got kind of ensconced in San Francisco, I started playing fast pitch softball with a bunch of guys. Wow. Men's fast pitch softball. I couldn't hit that to Yeah, to, if, I mean for it's really not even a men's sport anymore. It's no, mostly it's a women's, women's sport. sport. Yeah. For a while it was in the Olympics, but it's not anymore, but uh so I played that for a long time and then when the men's fast pitch kind of petered out in in Sino in the valley where I used to play, I kind of that same week almost my brother calls me up. My brother and I I have a, a younger brother named Bill who's two years younger than I am, and he still lives in Arizona. We grew up in Arizona. And he still lives there. And Just the two of you? Did you have other I siblings? I had a sister. Yeah, you know, I have a sister that's Sally Ann, who's okay. seven years younger than I am. She lives in uh, Florida, Satellite Beach, Florida, which is kind of up north on the outer coast of Florida. And do you have nieces and, and nephews? I do. I have, I have five. And they, they have, I don't have any kids, but they, Sally has two, Bill has three. And what do and, they think of... And then they have two. So I'm actually a grand, grand uncle of two. Jamie's got two kids now. Now, are you Uncle Fee or are you Uncle John? John. Uncle John. And have they come... They've obviously seen your antics on stage? I call them antics. Uh, you know what I mean. Most of them have, yes. Most of the... I mean, obviously, the brother and sister. Sure, have, sure. I meant, the, I meant the nieces and nephews. Nieces and nephews all have pretty much. Cool. Pretty much over the years. So the now... Years. Lots of so, sports in your life growing up. When does when yeah. does music take hold? Well, and did you think about playing sports professionally? Did this baseball? No, I was never good enough to play right. professionally. No, I was I was a pretty good first baseman, and then I went to catcher. I played catcher for a long time, which is a great position to play because back when you actually called the pitches. I mean, like now when we're watching the Dodger game, those catchers are not calling any pitches. They're looking to the dugout, and the and the manager in the dugout's going. Curveball, and then he slider. Calls then he calls, and it then to he calls and tells the pitcher slider, curveball, whatever. It's all done. Nobody does anything anymore. It's all they have now, like cards they put on their wrist, where the the position they're supposed to be in for each batter that's coming up. Like yeah. if it's a pull hitter, okay, move to position <coughs> number three, which is the spot between the blah blah blah. And the oh fuck, it's just it, there was a, there was a more of a purity to some sports yeah, way back in the day yeah god it's 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 hard to compare it's uh, really hard like when now I, they have the video replay thing and oh god i know just, that's the that umpire's pretty, job next thing they're going to do is they're going to have an automated umpire behind the plate that they're going to have a machine that will suck behind the plate calling balls yeah. and strike no thank you that's going to happen it's going to happen i didn't think they'd ever do video replay in baseball but they did it so so music. When well, does anyway, music... I was going to say, oh, yeah, Dave sure, Killingsworth ahead. was the guy that came up to me when I was living in the fucking desert. They used to come up, Red, White, and Blues Band used to drive their truck up to the desert, and they had a generator, and they plug sh their shit in in the desert and play to nobody except for us. There was four of us who lived in this little cabin. That must have been so cool. And they would be playing just to the desert, you know, and they, they, they loved it. They thought it was so cool. They just cool. jammed. Yeah, just jammed. Three of them. And... Uh, so then what happened was Prairie got a scholarship. It's Perry Prince, drummer Prairie of the Prince Tubes. drummer, at the time drummer of Red, White, and Blues Band, and now drummer of the Tubes. And uh, he got a scholarship to the San Francisco Art Institute, three-year full ride after he's graduated from high school. And so he said, well, fuck, I got to go. I, I'm going. I'm going. 
Um, and the, and Roger said, well, okay, well then let's go. We'll move the band to San Francisco, and and that's it. We're out of here. Okay. And and then that summer, which was the summer of '69. Uh, uh, they were up in the desert, and they were saying, okay, we're moving to San Francisco. We're going to drive our truck. We had a big milk truck, Bessie, and uh, drive to San Francisco. And so Dave comes up to me and goes, we want you to be in the band. I went, what? He goes, yeah, I want you to, we want to add logs to the group. What, what does he mean, logs? Logs, and that's what I said. What do you mean, what logs? What does that mean? He has, you know, those big, like, round African hollowed-out logs that have a slot in the top, and you whack them with sticks. And that's going to be your job. That's your, You're going to be the log player. But in the meantime, I want you to drive the truck to fucking San Francisco. Now, now, oh. now at this point, do you, do you know that you have any musical ability in your no. life? Well, I was a singer. You, okay, I you mean, were a I, singer. I was, my mother was a singer. I was a singer. Okay. I, I sang all the way through high school and grade school, and I was in the Scottsdale Singers, and I got awards for singing and acting and okay, all Okay, here we go. Theater. Now, now, I, we're, now uh, we're My getting, whole background okay. is the theater. When okay. I start, I was the first, not to toot my own horn, but I was the first person to ever audition for the Scottsdale Singers as a freshman and get it's a varsity singing mm-hmm. group and I got in before my freshman year. I went straight to the varsity singing group because the guy, Joe Esley, was the guy who ran the theater department in, in Scottsdale High. And that guy was a mu- I mean he saw something in me and he was on my case from day one. On my case every day. And I th- I just finally I went to his office and went, Joe or, you know, Mr. Esley, mm-hmm. I called him. I said, why, why are you on my case all the fucking time? I didn't say fucking. Yeah. And he goes, well, you know, I can see you got something. You've got something and you, ha- you can't let it slide. You got to develop it. You got to sing. I'm going to give you parts. I'm going to give you lead vocals. I'm going to, and we did Handel's Messiah every year. I mean, that's a, that's a piece that's that thick so and handles Messiah. This gentleman is what we call a good teacher. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. The guy was, he changed my, he liked Dave. And I said, okay, yeah, let's go play logs. <laughs> right. And I moved to San Francisco. I never saw a log. Never. Ever saw a fucking log. Ever saw. Ever saw a log. So what did you do? No I log. I was the roadie. I, I pumped the shit. I drove the truck. I unpacked the gear. I set up the gear, which I had no idea what the what the hell I was but doing. You saw me set this up. Right. I barely could set this up. I mean, put the ON switch in the ON position. Yes. That was the extent of my knowledge. That was it. And I'd set and we were using we were running the PA through the Fender speakers the band was playing through. He had a big Fender bass amp. He had a big Fender and the microphones were plugged right into them. I mean, so I mean it was a joke, but you know, uh but it worked. Uh, but it worked. And uh, so, who's in the band at that point? You're you're lugging cables, but we have okay, uh, just David and Roger, and Prairie. And There's Prairie. a trio, and we're in San Francisco, you know. And we live in a house. We have a manager, John Spear. So the five of us live in a two bedroom house. I lived in the attic, and the attic. I had to put a floor down because there was no floor. Yeah, but it's so, better than the ghost town. Right, better than the ghost town. I'm in the attic in San Francisco, and I'm like trying to lure girls up the stairs, <laughs> up the ladder to my dad. I bet some girls would do it. It was tough. It was pretty tough, I have to say, especially when I'm just the roadie. And uh, so we, we, we lasted for about, 
a year, two years in San Francisco mm-hmm. doing gigs as a trio, and I was the roadie, and we were driving around our truck, and uh, and we went to Japan, actually, in 1970, went to Japan. At That's the crazy. Expo 70. We got a gig at the San Francisco P- Pavilion at the Expo 70 in Osaka, Japan, in 1970, and we, we, we were there for six weeks, and we played, the band played, like, four and they pay your expenses to get they you out there. They pay everything. And you're staying in a hotel for six weeks. Yeah, in in Osaka and eating just rice and no every offense, day. But, and no offense, you're not you're not like a successful entity no, or, or ba- well-known entity. No. Our, the name of our band at the time was Arizona. <laughs> and so when we got the gig, we went, well, we got to change the name. We got a gig. So we dropped the A off and called it Arizona. And we went right. just... Japan sounds like some prog rock name, right? Arizona playing at the San Francisco Pavilion four times a day, and breakfast, lunch, and dinner was rice. Oh my god, I I, I got so rice bound, it was unreal. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we were there for six weeks, and then on the way home, you pro- did you want to leave at the at the end of? Did you probably oh, said, yeah, "Oh, we don't want to leave. This is well, amazing." No, we couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle oh, it. It any more much. rice. I couldn't take it. All right. I had to get out of there. And so we and we went over on a boat on the American President lines on a passenger liner, and we went over on the boat and we came back on a boat. And as we were coming back, and 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 which was free, the manager wangled it so that if the band played twice on the boat, you could ride for free. Perfect. So the band brought their gear and played twice. And is this uh, a good manager at that point? Is he unscrupulous like we always hear? Is he fine? Uh, he was fine. Spear. Uh, he was a pretty good guy. John Spear used to be the drummer of of Alice Cooper's band a hundred years ago in, in Phoenix. Yes, because you know Alice is from, from Phoenix, Phoenix. Sure, everybody knows everybody. Uh, but uh, on the way back, the bass player got busted for having sex with the preacher's daughter. <laughs> Sounds so ridiculous, yeah. which was true. It was true. And he got, so they got busted. And Is she then, underage or she's just the preacher's I daughter? I, I think she was underage. Oh, boy. Too. Okay. And it was ugly and everything was ugly when we got back and it was really ugly. And then they ended up, this guy, this guy ended up getting kicked out of the band, this bass player, Dave Killingsworth. He got kicked out of the band. Okay. That's how the tubes got formed because he got kicked out of the band. Roger and Prairie kept trying to find a bass player. And they couldn't find one. And so finally, Bill's band, which had moved also to San Francisco from Arizona. Bill Spooner. Bill Spooner's band, The Beans. And that consisted of Bill on guitar, Rick Anderson on bass, Vince on keyboards, and a drummer by the name of Bob McIntosh and the quartet. And they moved to San Francisco. So they couldn't (laughs) get any gigs. We had a bunch of gigs, but no bass player. And so... We merged, you merged the, the bands band. together, the six, therefore, and R2. And then I'm like kind of odd man out because they've already got three guys living at their house that are calling themselves roadies. Well, what am I going to do? And uh, so all during that time, they were trying to find a bass player. I would go down to the garage where our rehearsal studio was and sing and sing his parts. And so they knew I could sing. So, so when did it click with someone to say, uh, hey, we fees here? Right. He could sing. Yeah. So when we all got back together, uh, what what happened was, the way we integrated it was, the three, Bill would do, if we got a gig, Bill's band would come out and do 30 minutes, of the, the quartet. And then they would bring on the radar men from Uranus. 
And that was us. That okay. was me and Roger and Prairie. And we'd dress up like space men. And we'd wear like tinfoil antennae. So even back then, theatrics were oh, coming yeah. into play. Oh, yeah. And we'd go out, and the three of us would go out, and we did this piece of, we did this kind of operetta. We could, it was like a 10-minute, 15-minute piece of music that we learned with Bill's band. It was called The Ascension of the Motherlode. And it was a song about, one of the, the, the main song was called Our Lord is a Hot Dog. And it was very irreverent. And we would come out and, and period, we have two drummers, two guitar players, and me as this alien singer guy. And, and, you're, and you're, you're a tall, how tall are you? 6'4". Six 6'4". Four. Six four. So you're, you're, you're an imposing yeah, force on the stage. Big, yeah. yeah. And I'm wearing antennae. Big so there, tin at, foil. At 12 inches on right. top of your head. Right. And so that was the way it started. And we start, we... We started doing gigs, and we played uh, at Bill Graham's uh, audition night. Uh, Tuesday night was audition night uh, at Bill Graham's Fillmore West, and Bill Bill loved us. Bill always loved us, and we had such a good relationship with Bill. He was so great, and we used to play his team in softball all the time. I hear uh, I hear nothing but uh, excellent things about uh, Bill Graham. Oh my God, he was so great. Because he's great, and it's because he loved he loved the music first. Oh yeah, and money and business second, probably. So yeah. that's why he was such yeah. a good. He would always manager. he loved us. He loved us, and he knew we were trying to do more. And uh, whenever we would do like a uh, our own production. A number of, like we did the first Mondo Bondage show and we did the first Streaker's Ball where if you came naked, you got in free. Got in free. And uh, we did all of our own little productions. If you do that and now, I'm definitely paying. <laughs> <laughs> but we would ask Bill first. We would go to Bill and go, hey, Bill, we want to do this Streaker's Ball at the at the boarding house on Columbus. Okay, is that cool? Are you cool with that? He goes, well, what are you talking about? Oh, well, if, if they come in naked, they get in free. He goes, well, you're... You're not going to make any money. Oh, no, nobody will want to come in naked. Okay. He goes, okay, whatever. But we made no money. There was a line on naked. Columbus, a line of naked people Fantastic. waiting to come get in for free. Uh, so we, uh, he always put us on with like, you know, we opened for, for Kiss. We opened for, uh, I mean, oh, Bruce Springsteen. We opened for all kinds of people at Winterland, when, back when Winterland was still going in the old days. Uh, and what are you, and what's was, the band called at this point again? You guys are still called? No, we were the Tubes then. You were the Tubes once then. We, once we got together with Bill's band, uh, and we were a, a seven-man band, we had two managers and like eight roadies and no money. And Bill and we were, for a while, we were Benazona. <laughs> Benazona. And then we were the two just... two names put together. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And just then for a while, we were just the Beans. And then another, what happened was a band from... New Jersey came came out with an album okay. called The Beans. And so you were And that was it. We were done. We're Who done. came up with the name The Tubes? Well, that's a long story, but uh, so we each uh, we were trying to think of a new name. So everybody's their your assignment They're was just come, yelling, come up yell, with shouting stuff out. Great, yeah. No, no, come up with ten great oh, okay, names. Okay, a list. Write them down. Make a list. Ten great names, and then we're going to cut them up into individual pieces. We're going to put them in a hat, and we're going to pull out the name, right? And uh, this couldn't nobody, possibly work. The tubes no. can't be the first one you pull it out of the hat. No. Well, as the story goes, I was—I don't know if that's for sure, but somebody said. Uh, 
Originally, the name on the paper was tubes, rods, and bulbs. Ah. And tubes, rods, and bulbs are different types of cells in the eyeball. So we thought, oh, it's so visual, you know, so cool and out there, and nobody will know, nobody but, will know. But we'll except know. For no one be, will know but us. Yeah, except for what will happen is it'll end up being TRB, and no one will know. What the TRB? Yeah. What? No, that's not good. So, uh, but originally, someone says that the the piece of paper with the tubes on it had mayonnaise smeared on it. <laughs> And what we did was let our dog pick out the paper sandwich. We had a dog named Sandwich, and he was like a part Ridgeback, uh, part Doberman. I don't know what he was. Kind of a mutt, big dog, Prairie's dog. And we said, "Well, Sandwich, Sandwich is going to pull out the name." And so Sandwich pulled out the one with mayonnaise on it. It was the tubes done. And we went, "Oh, okay." And we were going to for a while. We were going to be the laser, the laser tubes, and then the. Uh, the boob tubes for a while, and the the rolling tubes, the fallopian <laughs> tubes. Ugh. Well, let's now that we've now that we finally you finally said the name the tubes. Let's hear, and this is a song that you that you guys have to play every night. It's just it's one of those ones that oh, yeah. you have to play. Okay. But I'm going to play a version. What? It's White Punks on Dope. White punks on but I'm going to play a version. We do play it every night. We have to play. We have every to night. play it. We have to play. It. We do every it's, night. It's your. It's it's one of your. Born to Run type song. You you have Bruce yeah, Springsteen Bruce can't. Has to play yeah. Born to Run, but I'm going to play the version that was on uh, this uh, '70s compilation called Mondo Birthmark. Oh yeah, because it's kind okay. of a it's yeah. a really cool. Uh, yeah, this was one of the original when we first when we first did the first album with Al Cooper. Uh, we played a, a ton of songs and and uh, we had all. Well, I mean, we just had a shitload of songs, and that's why one of the there's been a couple of archive albums yeah. of the songs that we had that never made the first album. And they sound great. Well, here, I'll just, uh, I'll just let people hear it. Oh, it's great. We're white punks on dope. Mom and dad live in Hollywood. Paint myself when I get enough rope. Can't clean up, though I know I should. White punks on dope. It's really slow. It is slow, but it's white raw. I like it, though. Here, I'll, bop, I'll jump over to the, the one we know. Al Cooper wanted to stop in the middle of this song and go to Malaganya. And have Ma- and then go back to White Punks at the end of Mal. He wanted it to be like a medley where we go White Punks, Malaganya, Salarosa, to back to White Punks. And, and at it, that point, in, when, when you're making your first uh, album, how much Al, input does the producer have? Like, could I'll, he have really pushed for that? Well, I, I suppose a lot. The first album, you know. Guys, nobody knew what the fuck they were doing. We were, we were kids. It's the first album we ever did. It was '74. We had no idea what the what we were doing. You're had just no, like, I can't. But we're making an some, album. This yeah, is crazy. We did. We we had done some some uh, stuff in a studio in San Francisco. Wally Hyder's done some recording, uh, but nothing. I mean, the first album we all moved to L.A. We did it in L.A. So everybody moved to L.A. Uh, you know, we are all in a hotel in LA and it was like 24 hours a day. You're working on songs and you're working on the album. And we didn't, you know, we didn't know Al Cooper. We had never met him before. And you're signed to A&M records at that point. We signed to A&M, right. And they gave us a, a, gosh, I don't know how many album deal it was. 
I don't I don't know. Let me see but how many he did. One, two. We did three, five. Four. Yeah. Actually, we did six. The sixth one never. The black album never got released. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and one live album in there among the five. Yeah, live double album. The yeah. third, no, fourth album. What he went from live was a live double album. Did you guys? Did yeah. you guys get signed quickly? I mean, no, God, we we everyone turned us down. Everybody in the business turned. That's everyone's us down. story. You know, everyone, I'm not saying it's. No. Every, I'm just saying everyone who finally gets signed, everyone's been turned down. Yeah, they turn. Uh, we en- we ended up getting signed on a videotape. You know, someone recorded the show. Yeah, we had a video. We, we sent some guys a video, and one of the guys at A and M. Uh, Kip Cohen, his name was. He loved the video. He thought we were great, and he he talked everybody. He talked Jerry and and Herb into signing us. That's and funny because they signed you. Not that you guys aren't a great band, but they they were attracted to the visual of the live show. Yeah, and so they right. want to put that on a record where on the record there's no visual. I don't. I don't. Well, good don't for you guys me. though. Yeah, no. They also wanted their their wall painted. They so Prairie and Mike painted wall, their whole big flying albums on the side of their. They lived. They their their building was the, what's his name studio. Uh, 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 Herb Alpert. No, no. Herb, yeah, Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss. Yeah, there's the A and the M. They're Alpert the A Moss. And the M, Alpert Moss, and they were at uh, the guy, the little guy with the old time guy with the derby hat. Chaplin, and Charlie Chaplin yeah. Studio. There you go. And their studio, and they—that's and where Henson Studios is now. Yes, in, on La Brea. Yes, right, across from and, Crazy and on their wall, they had big blank walls, and they wanted Prairie and Mike to paint big records on the wall, which they which lasted for years, thirty years. They were there before they finally changed it. But uh, yeah, Herb and Jerry like they 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 thought we were weird, and they didn't have anything weird on A and M. They had the Carpenters. You know, right. they had nothing weird at all. They had Helen Reddy, maybe. You know, and, and, uh, and how's the first album do? It comes out. The first album, they they uh, they put a sticker on the album that said, "This album contains the word dope." Oh God! <laughs> on white books on dope. Oh, God. That was a sticker, and they wanted to. The single was going to be "What Do You Want from Life," but they didn't like the end of life, where you know, you know. Yeah, it gets a little weird. Right. For a, single, for a single, for a single. Mastodon, Maverick, Mustang, Montego, Merc, Montclair, a Mark IV, Meteor, Mercedes. No, they just kind of went, oh, no, let's just change that and just kind of make it kind of fade out at the end. A radio edit is what you would call it. Let's hear a little bit of uh, What Do You Want From Life. Here we go. What do you want from life? To kidnap an heiress or threaten her with a knife? What do you want from life? But this would be a weird question. That's you singing this? Yeah. You, it doesn't sound like the fee Wabel that we've come to know. I know. There you sit they're, tried, they're, doing, they're trying to do tricky uh, EQ work. Yeah. You'll notice as, uh, as I do the end thing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they, 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 they turn it up. The tricky EQ stuff, they turn it up. It was weird because like there was helium at the end. As I'm going through the catalog again, because I haven't, I haven't really listened to the early albums in a long, long time. And yeah, there were quite a few songs. I'm like, that's weird that it doesn't really sound like yeah. Fee, but it's it's Fee. Well, and I was a kid, you know. I just let kind of, I kind of let anybody do whatever I did, whatever they told me to do. Yeah, pretty much. You know, Bill was kind of running the show, Bill Spooner, and uh, and every album was a different producer. Second album, Ken Scott. Ken Scott, who Ken, produced Bowie. Yeah, 
Beatles. Yeah. Good big time engineer guy. So did, does the label hook you up with Ken Scott? Yeah. They say, how about Ken Scott? And you guys say, fuck yeah, Are Ken Scott. Yeah, you kidding? Ken Scott. And yeah. the second album is uh, Young and Rich. And I love that you guys wrote a song, a meta song. I don't even know if they said meta back then. Tubes World Tour. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of that. Okay. Now that sounds like you. The important crusade. It's we still do Tubes World Tour. Yes, you the, do the new show or the you saw the show. At the I Canyon did at Club. the Canyon it Club. A, it's a Quaalude intro song because we love that song. Um, is there any mishaps with the Quaalude uh, boots? <laughs> Those are, I mean, hey, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, forget it. Yeah, try yeah. try to walk out on these things. Yeah, they're they're pretty big. Um, yeah, I always. I'm always having some kind of. I mean, there. I notice Rick kind of helps you along Rick a little helps bit as me, you right, get Rick you over to the me. mic. Sometimes I'm, I remember the last time uh, I can't a few gigs ago. Roger came over and kind of bumped me the wrong way, and I kind of went whoa, and I took a complete dive. Oh no! Uh, but I used to do. I mean, it's all part of the it, the character. It's perfect yeah. for the guy. Uh, Quay, Quay can't ever stand up very straight and i used to fall down on purpose and uh uh every night i used to fall down on purpose but and that's then, when you could do it like yeah when, like I mean, when chevy used, chase used oh, to take I'd, a tumble on saturday night live he could do that then yeah. and then it's and then you, you can't next day you go oh geez that hurt boy i just then you get up and do it and again show must you, go on show must go on you get you know get a little wasted and you do the show and boy you could just you could, you could do, anything. do anything you can do anything you add a female vocalist for the second album well, we had uh, we uh, we had a myriad of mm -hmm. female vocalists, but I mean, from the very beginning, we had Re. Yes, from the very first album, we had Re Styles, and we also had uh, uh, Leela and the Snakes, the dancing girls, from the very beginning. And then the second album, uh, I guess, what we let her sing a song. Oh, Prime Time, no. No. Don't touch I'm, me there. I'm, don't touch me there. Oh, don't touch me there was uh it was sung by Ree, but it was written by Jane Dornacker, who was the leader. We met this we met this troupe of girls, which kind of started which kind of enhanced the whole theatrical bit. Mm -hmm. We met a troupe of girls in uh or in Kenny Ortega, actually. We met Kenny Ortega, which kind of changed. Okay, Kenny everything. Ortega who directed Michael Jackson videos yeah. and he's I mean he's oh yeah he directed the video that ruined everything. Billy Squire's career. He directed so, so many things. He did and every and, and still but, still doing stuff. Still doing stuff. And Kenny, he just directed he might have just directed the um the Rocky Horror remake. Yeah. It was on TV. Okay. He probably did. Yeah. yeah. He told me he was going to. I told him I wanted to do Dr. Scott and and he said, well, Fox is never going to go for it. Not a chance. <laughs> I even called Lou because Lou. You is, would be perfect for that. That would be I, so you cool. You know, I've done Rocky. I've done Frank. I, I've done it a 
gosh, hundreds of times at a theater in Michigan. Uh, it's called the Barn Theater in Augusta, Michigan. It's a summer stock theater. And I've done Rocky so many times there. And I did. And you're Frankenfurter. And I'm Frankenfurter, yeah. I've done a, a lot, uh, over 100, because we took a picture on 100. Uh, and I've done uh, the last time, the last thing I did was uh, Spamalot. I did King Arthur oh, nice. in Spamalot. And that is just the greatest of all. That's fantastic. The greatest thing I've ever done. It's amazing. It's so great. So I interrupted. But, we were talking about uh, Ray. But Ree. Ree, I'm Ree sorry. Ree Styles. Uh, she was Prairie's girlfriend. And, and she was the original girl singer. And, uh, but Jane was uh, the leader of this. <coughs> they, called her, they called themselves Leela and the Snakes. There was a four-girl kind of comedy dance singing troupe okay. that used to do funky little club gigs on Polk Street. And Kenny saw them, and he said, come on and join the band. And so they joined the band, and Jane wrote this song. And uh, she wrote Don't Touch Me There. All right, let's hear a little bit of it. Oh, baby. It has a Rocky Horror kind of oh, feel very, to it. Very. It's so uh, overactive. <laughs> or maybe a meatloaf type thing, too, a little bit. Baby, give me the chills. Whisper low in my ear. Let me know how it feels. Just to know you are near. Your body gives me a thrill. As it leans against mine. <laughs> Such a great team. Yeah. Well, I have a good story for this. We used to do uh, we used to do this song on a motorcycle, right? Okay. And we used in the early days we would carry around a Harley, right? Uh, and would you, would would you ride out on stage? And we'd ride. Uh, well, actually, to be honest with you, we carried around a fake Harley. Okay. It had no real engine. It just had wheels and like this cardboard engine. But before that, we would ask people uh, during sound check, who you know, you know anybody who's got a Harley, and we'd get somebody with a real Harley, and he'd let me drive it onto the stage, really drive it on the stage. And we did that a hundred times, a thousand times. No mishaps. No, no problems. And uh, uh, then after a while, we started carrying this fake one, you know, in the truck. And was And Mike Cotton would do the no <laughs> this kind of synthesizer noise that he would come up with. Uh, and uh, but. We got, it was 70, what was 1979, I think. 1979, we got uh, a big gig, this festival in England. We were always big in England. We, our, our manager, Ricky Farr, took us to England after our third album, and we were just floundering in the States, and we were not doing very well. And he said, you guys, they, you guys have to go to the UK. They're going to love you. So he took us there first, and we just... Killed them. They went nuts for nice. the two, and we still we still go. We're going again this year. Uh, uh, but and I love England. It's great. And uh, uh, is there a place in the world where? Because I remember, I think it was uh, the Ramones were huge in like South America. Is there like is there like a a place where well, the tubes are like they're at their peak all the time? Well. 
I'd say probably London. Okay. Today, but in the old days, we were massive in Portugal. We were number one in Portugal, and they rioted when we played there in Lisbon and Cascais. The place went nuts, and oh, the that police must have been had so to, much fun. The police had to like carry us off the stage in the building. They were broke the windows out, and it was a complete freak out in uh, in Portugal. And we used to, and I love Portugal, and we used to go there at the end of the tour and like hang for a week because it was so beautiful and it was on the coast and the star, sardines are unbelievable. <laughs> But anyway, we get this big gig to do the Nebworth Festival. It's one of Reading, Nebworth, yes. you know. Gigantic. Gigantic 75,000 people festival. And, and is this during the uh, remote control tour? This is during. Because uh, that was 79 when that album came right. out. Right. It was kind of during remote control. Okay. And uh, so we kind of tailored the show, you know, oh, big show. It's going to be, and we're, we're like, the headliner is supposed to be Frank Zappa, right? The poster says Frank Zappa, the tubes. <clears throat> and it's supposed to be a co-headline thing. But the Frank Zappa's management got a hold of us right away, and they said, we don't want to go on after the tubes. Wow. We don't want to do that. We'll do our set. That's and high praise. You guys can close. Because we know you're going to do a big freak out and it's going to be, you know, I'm, I don't want to follow that. So Frank didn't. So they changed. And then they told us, OK, you're kind, kind of saying we can't follow that. Well, but it's Frank Zappa. Well, I know, but I'm saying. Well, I mean, come on. But I mean, he. he but did you, you guys followed Frank OK? Oh, yeah. yeah well, okay. we had to. We yeah. were thrilled. Oh, my God. Are we up the headliner now? And so we're, we're, you know, we find out ahead of time and we're just going nuts trying to figure, come up with Kenny. Is going. Kenny started with us. Before, before us, Kenny was like a, a, a choral dancer guy, a, in the dancing chorus guy who, in Jesus Christ Superstar or some kind of bullshit play that was touring regionally, right? And Kenny's just going, oh my God. Then he's just, he goes, well, okay, well, I'm going to get a, if we're going to do Don't Touch Me There, only I'm going to use a car. I'm got, I've got instead a, of a Harley. Instead of a Harley, we're going to use a little two door convertible Ford Cortina. It's a little, you know, little dinky English version right. of a little dinky ass square, ugly car. And we'll have, you know, we'll have giant ramps on the side of the stage. So we had a ramp. So, okay, so they get the car, they get it. We don't ever have time to really actually rehearse, right? So I've... So this the, can't be a, an easy car for you to get into either. Well, the deal is, Re is going to drive the car onto the stage singing the first, you know, line of the song. That's cool. Right? And then I am going to, like, jump into the passenger seat i'm going to be upstage the car is going to come downstage she's going to get a mic and sing her first lines of the song and then when it's my turn to sing solo lines i you know jump into the car and we <laughs> leave together and we sing the song right well this is seven before in 79 there was no such there was no such thing as cordless microphones right so my mic had a cord and her mic had a cord. It's a long cord if you're driving on stage. Right. And so she comes driving up on stage, and the guy hands her her mic. She starts singing. My mic, her back wheel stops on my mic cord. Terrific. So I've, I've, my mic is about, 
you know, belly button high. <laughs> and I'm standing there and I'm going, and my mic is underneath the cord. My cord's underneath the tire. And I'm going, okay, uh, and I'm starting to panic. And I'm going, oh, okay, I'm supposed to jump into the car and sing this. Oh, my, well, uh, and I'm starting to go, uh, you know, lose it completely. Yeah. And right as I come to, and I, I don't know how I ever did this, but right as I come to my time, I lean down and I grab the fender of the car and pick it up <laughs> and kick the mic cable out from underneath the wheel. And that's adrenaline going. Unbelievable. I just, I still don't fully, I mean, people still go, oh, you're full of shit. I went, no, actually, no, I, did it. I actually did it. It's a little, it's a little car. I was only lifting a quarter of mm. it and I kicked it out, jumped in, it all went off, you know, and we just had like a, you know, ridiculous show. Oh, that's fantastic. It was amazing. At, uh, what's the most people that were ever on stage with the tubes at like, like at the at the height, like how many, how many with background singers and whatever is going on, two drummers, whatever. How many people? How many? Well, we had with Mingo and Prairie and Ree was eight, and and the girls were twelve, and then we every guy in the crew was the the one crew guy was the fireman one crew guy was the strong man one crew guy was the pirate one crew guy was the we were big fans of the movie road warrior so they had those black foot football pads painted black so they were road warrior guys nice so that was another five guys there and I don't know, maybe twenty five guy, twenty five people. So that's that's a rock and roll show. Insane, just completely insane. And now it's just five of you, and you guys still yeah, really just, put on a show. I mean, like still five, just this, five. This is what I wanted. I wanted to ask uh, earlier when we started about uh, talking about when they went out on the road after you were gone for a little bit, and they had Dave. Mm -hmm. Like you can replace a singer, but Dave wasn't doing what you do. He wasn't no, doing no. characters and stuff. He, no, they no. were just singing the songs. He was just singing the songs. He wasn't doing any kind of changing or anything yeah. like that. Just standing there singing. And I'm sure and that's, you know that's that's the problem is fine, a lot but of, it's not that's not the tubes. No. Yeah. Exactly. And he's he he wasn't a great. I mean, I don't. I want to shoot Dave down, but apparently he was not a great singer because mm -hmm. he could not. He had been when he left the the two the when he left when roger kicked him out of the band which would had to be 71 or two he moved to hawaii and became a pot dealer and so he had smoked pot from uh for you know 18 years that's gonna time. that's gonna and so when damage. he when he tried to come back uh and sing she's a beauty i'm sorry that's not gonna work and now, a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, this is Pat, and I just want to let everyone know that we now have a Patreon page. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. This is the best way to support the show. We've been doing it for six years now. So go over there. The easiest tiers to do, $2 tier that gets you involved in winning any of the signed prizes that I uh, accumulate when we have guests on the show. $5 tier. Uh, you are automatically in the ASAP club, which means you'll get the episodes uh, right after they're recorded, uh, sometimes weeks, months in advance even. And then there's a $10 tier that allows you to get bonus content that we upload weekly to the Patreon page. There's other tiers too, but really I feel that the two, five and $10 are 
are uh, are probably the most reasonable for for everyone to deal with. I am especially trying to reach out to the people out there that don't engage on social media, the people who aren't on Twitter and the people who aren't on Facebook. Uh, we see the numbers. We know that there's thousands of you listening. So, you know, if you get over there and you just sign up for the $2 tier, I call that a set it and forget it. You're not even going to miss that $2 out of your checking account or bank account every month. But it's going to really mean a lot to us. So, again, go over to patreon.com forward slash rock solid podcast and uh, support the show. We would appreciate it. We love doing it. And we love all you guys who listen. So thank you. Now back to the show. What do you do? What do you do now to keep your voice in shape other than using the instrument? Do you have it? Do you do it? Do you, is there any pre-show thing you do or you just, no. well, I, I, uh, usually before a show, usually, I mean, I sing all the time. I sing okay. in the car. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if you know this, but I do, uh, I do property management. I have a day job. Okay, the tubes. That. You didn't know anything about this. No, that that's the tubes. I mean, as much as little as we work, although we we only we do about forty shows a year, it doesn't afford me the luxury of having five horses. Right, they're very expensive. Horses so, but it's are. so it's worth it to you to to so, to have those horses and do whatever right. you need to do to have the and, horses. And fortunately, my ex-wife, who I love more than anything in the world, we are I back. think this is very admirable that you're saying this and that you do this because of your love for horses. Well, I, and, and I want to play polo. So yeah. it's, I, I, I can't, I don't have enough money. Sorry, I'm not a rich person. Yeah. I'm not Bon Jovi <laughs> yet. <laughs> uh, but Elizabeth and I got married in... in uh, well, that's a good story too. Oh my God. You can have a story. podcast called Fee Wables Long Stories. Right. But anyway, Elizabeth, her father started the company and it's commercial management of property. I manage a million square feet of commercial property. Four different big buildings that are mostly government tenanted, uh, mostly the government, uh, County of Orange, State of California, County of Riverside. And so I do that. Uh, today, all day, I spent in Hemet, California, which is about two miles east Right. You know, Hemet? Yes. It's like Beaumont, you know, Palm Spring. I, I, I spent the day there working on, I have a shopping center there. And on Tuesdays, I go to Orange County and I do, I have three buildings there. And I make a, enough money, enough extra money to be able to afford this ridiculous small little house in Venice and to have five horses. Yeah. And to have a, I have a six horse trailer and a Dodge 2500 diesel pickup truck there you go that i take that i that's my ride now and so at, at the at this job do people know that you're some people know some people call me john most mm -hmm. of them call me john but a a, a a greater and greater number of them are realizing what i actually do on my weekends yeah and some of them have come to see me without say, telling me just show up at a gig because we play Orange County. Yeah. I play and, the coach house. And then they come, so, then they come say hi after the show and you're like, Oh boy. And I just, Whoa. You but they're probably like, they're probably like, man, you were fantastic. Oh, yeah, you no they all go nuts. Yeah. William Marino is like a drummer. He's just like, your drummer is just, and he's a, he's a guy who does asbestos mm -hmm. abatement, which I have to deal with sometimes. Yeah. And he was, he's a drummer. He plays in his church band. He goes, oh, I want to come and see you. And I said, okay, come on in. I put him on the list. And he came and, and after the show, he just 
was just like drooling over prairie. I just bet he was. Couldn't believe it. And he was. I mean, so yeah. So I have this this alter ego where I'm a straight guy. I invoice for my time. I take care of all these problems, whether it be electrical or whatever the problem is. Either I fix it, or I have a vendor who can fix it. And whatever the problem, and it's the most trivial, minuscule. Oh my, my mini blind is bent and they'll actually email me that my my mini blind has a bent louver and you, must, you must get that call every day because mini blinds going, are all are, oh my god and i'm just going okay uh, but sometimes you know it's stuff that you know i uh, like today i talked to a really good guy who's a uh i have a big problem with homeless people in hemet mm. and they're just overtaking my property and i've got to hire a patrol company and uh and that must be difficult because you're you know you i'm I'm sure you have you know sympathy or empathy for homeless but then but they can't be there we actually my elizabeth and i actually deliver flowers every monday morning to the homeless admin center over in santa monica and then the uh, also another box of flowers to the uh battered women's shelter yeah and so we do we try to do you know our part and try to help but uh uh with a government facility it's really hard because they they don't want to put up with that they don't want they don't want some homeless guy sitting in front of their front door with his shopping cart full of crap they don't they don't want to get them out of here you know uh where so where did fee come from fee huh that once again david killingsworth (laughs) I think I'd be talking about him. He, in his hash-induced stupor, which he was very fond of, uh, before they kicked him out of the band, he thought I looked like the king of Fiji because it was on the cover of a National Geographic and there was a picture of the king of Fiji. And here he is, this black guy with this giant afro. And for some reason, I just... I still don't understand it. Of course, I don't think I've ever seen the... But he said, oh, you look like the king of Fiji. And the, he started calling me Fiji, David. Started calling me Fiji. shortened it. And then Rick could, picked it up, and Rick started calling me Fiji, and then Fiji. Rick still calls me Fiji. 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 He calls me Fiji. And then when I had to put down, when it was Fiji, Fiji, actually, I wasn't using my real name. I was using, for some reason, I still don't understand why I called myself Fiji Cranston. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I really have no understanding. I don't know. Where did you come up with that? It's a good know. one. I like it. But then when we got a record deal, they said, well, you got all got to put your birth date and your names here on the record. Yeah. And I said, well, I just, well, I just can't. My, my father would never forgive me. If you didn't use for Waybill. not using Waybill. And Waybill is a real thing. A Waybill is a thing. It's a, it's like an invoice. Yes. That a truck, a I trucker actually didn't has. know that. It's like what he's got. What is just, it's the crap in his truck. And so I thought, well, okay, then I'll just take the J off and just make it Fiji. Make it fee. Fee for the way bill. It's like Terry Cloth. And, and that was it. That was it. And so was, I want to play a quick song from the uh, third album called Now. Uh, Prairie did the cover for that. Uh-huh. But uh, With Mingo, too. That was with Mingo Lewis. Yeah. Our percussion guy. And uh, I, before we started recording, I was testing for sound, and I played this, and you, you seem oh, to really enjoy it. Parade. So let's hear Hit Parade. 
How good can it feel to be on your hit parade? Can't say how real it feels knowing you got it made. You, you hear the congas. Yes. I've said it before. And it feels real good It should On your hit parade That's probably one That's probably one we should revive I was just going to say put that back in the set list We uh, Every every time we do a new set This this one that you just saw was uh, Our current uh, Our current uh, Mondo Pulp set Which is kind of your Pulp Fiction, we start with, we're big fan. I mean, movies have always been a big influence. Road Warrior, uh, La Dolce Vita. I mean, we had a whole Italian show of La Dolce Vita where I was Marcello the whole show. And uh, 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 so this current one is uh, Pulp Fiction, which we must have seen a thousand times. And It seems like a good tour bus movie. Yeah. Yeah. The, like, like, like... Uh, like Road Warrior was. We saw that on the tour bus. So many, Caddyshack, unbelievable, <laughs> again and again and again, and so funny. And uh, so Mondo Pulp, uh, that's why we open with uh, the Chuck Berry song, You Never Can Tell, yeah. from the twist scene from the movie. And we do a bunch of other, Jungle Boogie, we do a bunch of other songs. And you have like that, a zoot suit on when you're doing that. Is that a yeah. zoot suit kind yeah, of? it's like a zoot suit. It's like a 40s. High-waisted? <laughs> yeah, zoot suit. It's actually, the Zoot Suit from the 40s was actually commandeered by the Hispanics, and it became a Zoot Suit, kind of a, uh, a different hat. They changed the hat, and, it, and now it's a Zoot you know, it looks like a, like a uh, Hispanic kind of, but that's actually where I got it. Yeah. I didn't use the hat. I had a better hat. <laughs> uh, but, but uh but yeah, so movies are a big influence and, you know, we just, this particular tour, uh, we're doing that and, uh, uh, but every time we, I sit back and kind of go through the archives, you know, and I, I remember, I remember listening to Hit Parade the last time when I was thinking of, of what to do this time and we pulled out some songs this time. Yeah, definitely. That, you know, Stella, shit, we've never played that ever from when we recorded it ever, never. And also, uh, well, Golden Boy. We never played Golden Boy. That was Bill's song. Uh, Bill wrote that, and we never played that live. We never played. Uh, we really never played uh, Love's a Mystery live. Well, we did in the in the Remote Control tour. We did, but even Hit. I don't think Hit Parade has ever been played live ever. Let's let's hear a little Love's a Mystery, then we'll talk about Remote Control.
this uh, this album was produced by Todd Rundgren. Yes. And the two albums that Rundgren produced, Remote Control and um, Love Bomb, you can really hear his influence in those. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Because I mean. Love Bomb to me, almost, and I love I love both of these albums, and I, I'm a big Todd Rundgren fan. But like Love Bomb sounds like a Utopia album at times. I mean, it really some of those songs. Are, yeah. But what, so, what was your? Did well, you? What was you? How did you get hooked up with Todd for Remote Control? I don't know that how we actually got hooked mm-hmm. up with him for Remote Control. I really don't know that. Okay. Oh, Whether guys, it came from the record company or mm-hmm. uh, we weren't, at, 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 as far as I know, we weren't friends with him or, or uh, I don't know, maybe Prairie was friends. I, I wasn't. Mm. Uh, remote control. Uh, uh, I liked that record that Todd did a lot better than Love Bomb. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Love I Bomb. I love Love Bomb, which is funny. Yeah. But I, 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 knew, I kind of read that you weren't a big yeah. fan of Love Bomb. Not a big fan. Well, that pretty much ended us. That, 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 you know, we went from massive hits with Foster to, you know, a piddling amount of sales and that killed the record company. And the, I mean, the, the record company didn't want us to use him. They were totally against it. Against David Foster. No, against Todd. Against Todd. After two hits with Foster. With Foster. So how did you, why didn't you use David Foster again? Yeah. Well, that's the ugly story that no one wants to hear. Do you want to tell that story? You don't. I, I mean, uh, you don't have to. It's you. You don't have to say anything you don't want to. Well, I know, I know. But I've said it before. I mean, it was drugs. Simple. It was drugs. Drugs. That was it. That was the downfall. Drugs of the band. Yes. Right. In my opinion. In my. And were you were you part of the problem drug wise? I, I was not. Okay. I was the one who did not take cocaine. Okay. And tried my best to avoid to to change the f- trend. Mm-hmm. But it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and after after oh god. After we did the first record, well, to, you know, this has all been out there before, so I don't know that Bill's going to listen to podcasts anyway. <laughs> but after, uh, I mean, we, back to Todd, we, I mean, we did remote control and which I, I had a good time with. And because, that's kind of a breakthrough album for you guys in a way. Well, yeah, because, and because there was nothing prepared before, no song written. So you guys went hardly, into the studio and wrote stuff there. Wrote stuff there, collaborated together with it together. Didn't have time to second guess it, which I hate second guessing. Mm-hmm. I hate it. And, you know, we wrote it. Played it, sang it again, done. Go on to the next. And, you know, uh, I mean, it's not the greatest sounding record, sounding record, I don't think, but just the idea that that we worked that way, I was, I enjoyed. Okay. And, uh, but then uh, that didn't do well at all. That record didn't do well at all. There was no single that happened. Well, Primetime was, this, actually, Primetime was a pretty big time single in, in England. Yeah, that would be, It was a pretty yeah. big hit in England. But here... Zero, and so when we went to do another record with A and M, uh, they didn't want to 
pay for it. They wanted us to just do tracks and then send them tracks. And they wanted us to do have tracks and rough vocal before we give the rest of the money to do the record. And the whole thing was, I mean, that we had made five records at A&M and none of them had sold any records. Right. They had made, they were, we were in the hole like 2 million bucks in was, the red. Is the record company at that point, are they still behind you or are they like, Hey, we need some returns here? Oh yeah. They're yeah. going, Hey, it's a business. Know, well, we don't want to give you another 200 grand just, you know, because we're already, you know, we're not going to see it. We, we want to see some kind of proof that we're going to get our money back. So they said, well, we want to see this. We want to see that. We want to see rough vocals. And we, to just, and we were mad. And we, we just said, no way. We're going to do this ourselves. You know, we were big time by then in our own mind. And uh, we're going to produce it ourselves. And that's the, that's the songs that are, uh, is it called Suffer for Sound or is it called the Black Album? Well, both. It's called, one of the songs was called Suffer for Sound, okay. but we kind of call the whole thing the Black Album. And so we went ahead and did this whole album and pie piecemealed the money out of them little by little by little without sending them anything. And uh, we did this whole record in San Francisco and then gave it to them and they hated it. And they just said, you know, this is all, this is awful and we're not releasing anything and we're releasing you instead. <laughs> Release no record, just you, you're done. And so we left and uh, we left the management company, we left Ricky Farr and we left, uh, well, actually we didn't leave him right yet, but we went, we got a deal at Capitol and- Which is, which is big time. Which was big time. The Beatles. Yeah, yeah Capitol Records. Frank Sinatra. Bobby Columbi, the guy who signed us, used to be the drummer for Blood, Sweat, and Tears and uh, was an A&R guy there. And they signed us for a three-record deal and uh, they put up Foster. They said, we want, you know, we know what happened at A&M. We know you guys made five, six albums, never sold any, never made them any money at all. You know, we're very cultish, mm -hmm. you know. Like, yeah. But that didn't really translate into dollar in my pocket. And uh, so uh, they said, we want... You know, we want you on the radio. We want to hit. We want to sell records. We we actually want you to be a big hit, okay? Before, Not just an obscure cult band. And before we move on to the completion backward principle, I do, I, a couple of these uh, Suffer for Sound songs were on the remote control. Because right. that album's never been... The though. remastered version. Yeah. Has, I, I picked four so of those yeah. songs to add as bonus tracks to the remastered remote control. I think these are great songs. I'm going to play Dreams Come True. Oh, I, I, wrote, I wrote this. Don't want to sit in bars and drink. It's too noisy. I can't think. Turn off the tapes and the TV. Turn on the lights so I can't see. Some people might call me unfair. It doesn't matter. I don't care. This is my special time of day. fantastic i don't know who didn't like this at the label but maybe they just maybe it didn't matter what know. at that point what you turned in yeah. they had they were were yeah. done for yeah. whatever they reason. were done so um so we went on and did uh so we went on to do uh, completion backward principle with david and i would have never thought that uh you know your stage persona the way you guys your shows back then that that they would hook you up with david foster it doesn't seem like 
Well, your image and then the records no. that he produced at the time. At the time, he had never done a rock and roll record. Yeah. Ever. It was all R&B, the whole thing. Had he, did he do Alice's album? Didn't he do? Not till after. Not till after. Yeah. Not we were the first, okay, first cool. rock and roll dip. Uh, and we were way into R&B. I mean, Prairie loves that. And, yeah. and we, we enjoyed that. And so we thought we'll be, that's great. And so. We did this record with him, and uh, uh, everything know. is perfect about this record, too. This is one of, I wrote it down so I could, could say it exactly. This is one of the greatest album cover concept and packages that I have ever seen. I mean, the blueprint inside the sleeve, right. you guys as corporate businessmen, the right. tubes group. It's just like, and so then just corporate, that. Is it, it? It is just so perfect. It's like, what could be more punk than this? Yeah, it's, it's totally, totally, totally and, piss take. And, and was that, that was you, all you guys? That was oh, yeah. all your idea? That was oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you guys in, in the corporate haircuts yeah. look perfect. You guys look perfect. I know, I you know. look like douchebags. I, I know. We look like corporate execs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and then MTV is happening or starting to happen. Right, that's right when it started. Because I know... And, and I'll, well, this and it is, was all kind of, you know, that was when REO had a big hit mm -hmm. journey had a big yes. hit with ballads and they're all big corporate mm -hmm. ballad formulaic sounding yep. rock ballad yep. world making and, a fortune. You know? And, uh, and some of the stuff on this album is in that mold. Well, that's for why, sure. yeah, that's why the ballad don't want to wait anymore. That's why they released that first. Yeah. Well, let's hear that. I'll play that first and then we'll play some of the other okay. awesome stuff. And this is Bill singing, not me. Could be the last to this is the best vocal he ever did. To start and this like, is a good story. If you this, told me this was a, if this if you told me back then that this was Chicago, I would have said sure it is. Yeah. Well, he went on to do Chicago right yes, after. Yes, I know, David. Bill, came, I sang this first, and Bill came in the studio with Foster, drunk out of his mind. Poked to the gills oh, no. and said, hey, I'm not singing anything on this record, which he usually sang one. Yeah. He said, I want to sing it. I want to try it. And this is one take. He walked it's in. It's fantastic. He nailed one it. One take. Unbelievable. And Unbelievable. You were okay then oh. for him to have this song. Oh, yeah. I wrote the lyrics. Vince wrote the music. You sing it now. Yeah, I mean... It's because it's such such a great song. We just and Roger just goes berserk when he plays this. When normally we play this song instead of "Love's a Mystery." Yes. My problem when record labels release like this song is the first single, I think it I think it gives people the impression that the album is full of that. Yeah, I do too. I think it was a huge mistake. And we when we were doing this record, the second that, single, perfect. That's how the whole that's how the whole problem started is we're doing this record. There's no talk to you later. And Foz yeah. is going, we need a rock and roll song that's going to be played on the radio like crazy. That's an anthem that's rock and roll that's up tempo, the blah, blah, blah. No corporate corporate ballad bullshit. And we we came up with a couple of you know the other guys the, the the writers Roger and Bill I guess came up with a couple of choices okay and he didn't like them and he said look I want to write this with just you and me and this friend of mine Steve Lukather 
and who's I don't, been on everything, right? Who is yeah. at the time had been like the go-to studio guy yeah. in L.A. He played on everything. I from, think he, he's played like Beatles over five I mean, thousand, yeah, ridiculous recordings. Whatever Foster produced, Luther played guitar on. Him yeah. and Michael Thompson, yeah. every yeah. everything, Slick, you know. Uh, uh, and you uh, former okay. Landau, I meant Slick when I said Slick. Mike okay. Landau, he does the same thing. Plays. Uh, so he says, so he doesn't want to tell the band that we're doing this, mm -hmm. right? We're trying to write a rock song outside of you to to make be a hit on your record. Yeah. So we write, talk to you later. We meet at this studio in, in secret. In secret. At like, and we're supposed to be booked in there at like five o'clock at night or something. The tubes are, but we show up at ten in the morning. Me and Dave and Lukather, and uh, and you and uh, Luke hit it off immediately. Oh yeah, I never met him before. Although we were at the same, I mean, I'd met him. We were at the same management company. Toto and Tubes were managed by Fitzgerald Harley. Okay, at the time, and uh, this is eighty, and uh, so we, you know, we kind of told him what we were looking for and blah blah. blah the three, and he just. I mean, he came up in like seconds. Oh, the guy's a genius. You know, the guy is ridiculous. He's so good. I know you've had him on his show. Yes, and I love him. He is, he is so fantastic. I mean, I've written so many songs with him over the years. And he's, I get, so, he's so great. And, and I get so bummed out when I, when, because I'm a Toto fan, when I tell people I like Toto, for some reason they yeah. have a stigma. I yeah, don't know what too it is. Good. Yeah, you're and I'm just good. like, you're not listening yeah. close enough. You're boring. Yeah. You're too good. You're, you don't ever make mistakes. Right. <laughs> I know, it's just ridiculous. So my know? question about Talk so we so, so we wrote this song mm -hmm. in an afternoon. The four of us, the three of us wrote the song. He played all the guitar. Foz played all the keyboards. I sang all the vocals. I wrote the lyrics. That afternoon, like, bam. And then like at like two o'clock or something, we called up Prairie. We said, Prairie, come to the studio. We put drums on it. Then the band shows up and we go, well, listen to this. We got to, and we play it for the band and they kind of go, whoa, wow. <laughs> but they, was that, but, was that a wow? Like, oh, we uh, really like that. Well, wow. And then, well, they weren't all that thrilled, I have to okay. say. And uh, the record company flipped out. The manager flipped out. Everybody flipped out. They but they were more it. not thrilled because you wrote it without, without them. them. If you guys exactly. had come up with this together, they would have been over the moon with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we never would have no. with seven guys sitting around. And mm -hmm. so we did that, and it turns out to be a big hit. It turns out to be the, you know, it's, it was number one in 17 countries. Okay, talk to you later on the rock charts. And a huge in England. We did a big tour, and it immediately becomes the encore. It's one of your signature songs. Oh, yeah, exactly. Without a doubt. It immediately, like White Punks and Dope. Yeah. It's the encore, it's the finale, it's yeah. the signature song. And so then when we go to the second record, we go to, to do Outside Inside. But wait, I want to ask you about Talk to You Later because oh, Lukather plays on the song yeah. that's on the record. Yes. That, we used that demo for the record. The demo we did that afternoon. That's it. That's it. That's the record. So how does Roger, who's an amazing guitarist, how does he feel about that? How do you, like I always wonder, how do you, like Chrissy Hind of The Pretender, she records albums without Martin Chambers, but then he's on the tour. And I just don't know how that conversation well, even happens between you band members. It, it you know, it, it doesn't happen. It pretty much doesn't it happen. Just, the just, conversation doesn't happen. The song is there. He's doing it. It's great. It sounds great. Everybody loves it. Okay, try and learn the part. Because you'll okay? be playing it every You're night. You're going to be playing it every night. So you try and learn this, which is pretty hard. Yes. It's a pretty hard part to learn. The yeah. solo on the record is pretty hard. Yeah. And which he did, you know, once. That was it. Yeah, because he just improvised it. Right. Okay, let's hear this song and then we'll keep moving. Let's be 
is so cool. That's him playing bass. That's Luke. That's Luke throwing the bass yes. too? Holy yes. crap. He played everything. That guy was born with too much talent. Let's hear the chorus. Now what they added was they added that synthesizer stuff, the bombs, you know, yeah. the, the synth stuff. Okay. And the... And the uh, all the backgrounds are me. And this, and this becomes your first gold album. Yes. I don't see it hanging up anywhere. No. I don't see it. Is it in here somewhere? No, it's, I got it. I have Richard's six platinums. Oh, wow. That's great. That's Richard Marks. Richard He's, Marks. Richard Marks, my best friend. But yeah, I've written a lot of songs on his records, so he, he sells millions and 40 million. Yes. Yeah. We sold four. <laughs> But Four million? Not, probably not even that many. Look, the, but, think of all the how, think of bands today. They're never going to sell a million. Oh, you know, no, it's no. a band. A band like the Tubes or a band that starts the way you guys did in the seventies. It's just so sad that they're not going to have careers in music, no matter how good they are, because of how how music's distributed. Yeah, the way that I have to ask about this. Where does the song? Sports fans come from. It's not on completion no, backwards. I know. Sports fans was a, it was mostly a live song. Mm-hmm. We don't. I don't. I don't think it's on any. Is it on a compilation? It's thing? it's on it's on something. It's right? on completion backwards as a bonus. As track. a bonus track. It was a it was a song that that came out of uh, uh, just the live thing. We wanted to do a live thing about us. Yeah, actually, from a movie. Once again, hey, sports fans was the great Santini. Yes. Right. Yes, I that's think where so. the phrase came from, and that's where we wrote the song from. And then he, I'm the I'm the sports jock who doesn't know what sport he's playing. He's got skis on and a basketball shirt and a catcher's mask, and you know, uh, it's funny. The funny story behind that song is, and we used to always do that where you know we do it live, and then I'd have a big bag of wiffle balls and a wiffle bat, okay, and I would hit balls into the audience into the during audience. the song with my baseball skill. And, uh, right. And then throw Nerf footballs into the, constantly throwing shit at the audience all the time. From the very beginning, we were throwing shit at the audience. And, uh, uh, is that me or is that you? No, that's me. I'm just going to put it over here. Uh, so when we did the tubes video, right. The, 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 the hour long video, home video, home video. The tubes video, it's called. When we did that, did that Kenny was Kenny do that? Kenny, Kenny did yes, that with, a, with a, produ- a producer in England, Russell Mulcahy. Uh, Who did du- a lot of Duran Duran stuff. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and we had a stu- we were at Shepperton Studios doing the video and we had a big Euro tour planned and we were going to do that. We had like 10 days to do the video before we did the tour. Right. And so at this point you guys know, Hey, we're, this is, we're, we're breaking here. This is yeah. happening. This is finally yeah. really this happening. Is happening. Yeah, we have a big, big tour planned. Uh, 65, 70 shows in Europe. Big video planned that they're going to pay for. We've had a big hit with Talk to You Later. And, you know, this is after the Completion Backwards come out. And so we're going to do a video for all the all the songs on the video. Love, you know. Uh, Mr. Hate, Mr. Sushi Hate, Girl, Attack Sushi, of the 54 Woman. Attack of the 54 Woman, all that. All of it. You're no fun. Uh, don't want to wait. Uh, so anyway, we're doing sport. So we add sports fans to this, right? To this video because we feel oh, fuck. So we're going to add it. So we do, we, we, what we want, we hire these girls. We hire these British girls because we want to have, uh, we want to have tits. 
He won't have girls Because around. after the, you ever see the first Duran Duran video that had tits? Yes, yeah. It was, what was it? Uh, girls on film. Girls on film, yeah. Right? And it had bare nipples mm-hmm. on the video. On, on the, not the actual MTV video, but the video that was out there. So we loved that. We loved them. Uh, they, were, they were friends. And so, we, no, we won't have tits in the video in sports fan. We won't have girls in the shower, naked, showering, and the sports guy walks in wearing his, weird, wearing, uh, uh, not much, a jock strap, right? Wearing a jock strap, he walks in, he doesn't even know he's in the wrong dressing room. And then he puts on his sports gear and he goes into the song, right? So we hire these two girls, three girls, to come from in, from London to be naked in the shower, right? So we got it all set out of the studio and they come out and they go, well, we don't want to, we're not taking off our bras. <laughs> what? We hired you to take, be naked, we want tits. No, we're not taking off our bras. What the fuck, you know? And we're just going, oh, God, unbelievable! We tire. We we should have hired strippers. What the hell? And now, and we've got no time. We can't right. go get somebody else. So okay, so you put, so you come out. So we we like cover them in in shaving cream, like it's foam, to give like, the illusion that maybe they're the naked underneath. That they're maybe naked underneath, yeah. right? And they're naked underneath, and they're in a shower thing, and they you can't really see any tits. And so I'm so pissed off. Right, that I'm outside the door. I'm supposed to come in through these double doors into and the you know the action in through the double doors. See the girls get put on my sports stuff. Do the song. So I'm so pissed off that I take off my jockstrap outside the door. Right. So I'm standing there completely naked. Someone's going to be naked. Yeah. So I said that's what I said. Over. Somebody's yeah. going to be naked, and so I walk out naked. And they loved it. I mean, the the the, uh, the actual laser disc has me naked. Uh, the one that the one that they released in Japan has a little red box that flies down out of nowhere and covers my penis up. So look for that, uh, tubes right. fans. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of uh, sports fans because I love. I think this is a really great song. Let me. So, um, so completion back. So it's, it's a no brainer that you're going to work with Foster again. Yes. And, and, and does that, the band get along? Do all the band members, do they, are they on board with Foster? Do they get along with him? Well, yeah, everybody, I mean, Foster is, how do I put this? He's not a party guy, right? He's no, a, no, he, no. he's no, he's all no, business, all business and totally pro. The whole thing okay. is totally pro. And he's got a, an engineer, Umberto Gatica, that's yes. totally pro. And there's no dicking around. They're not selling, you know, first album we did, the engineer sold Coke during the studio at the studio. He'd go, studio. Oh, stop. Wait, and he'd go out and sell a bindle to somebody. Right. Wow. During the recording of the album, Right. So, how did Foster so deal if if some of the band members did, were on? He didn't dig it. He did not like it, and they it got worse and worse and worse, and it got to the point where you know you can't play, you can't play. Okay, I'm not telling and you you can't play. You actually can't. You can't play. play. You're not playing to my perfection standard. Yeah. Right. And you're you taking guys, too long to get it right. If you're the bass player, you're taking too long. I mean, we used a lot of other bass players on this record. 
you know, although I love Rick, he's the most loyal person in the entire band. And he, you know, and he's he in the band today. If he, and he's if in he the band if today, he didn't feel that he'll way. He would never be, be out of the band. Exactly. He's, he's for life. He'll, I, I don't care. I'll, I'll drag his dead body <laughs> under the stage. Uh, but yeah, but, but, you, but you guys are here. You're at the top right now. So you have to, you can't fuck up now. You no, got to keep gotta, going. We've got to keep going. And so the same thing happens again. So, you know, same thing happens. He goes, well, we've got no hit. So we write She's a Beauty with the same people, same me and people. Dave and Lukather. And Lukather plays everything. And then Toto plays the keyboard solo. And uh, uh, Page? David, David Page. Page. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if Hungate played on the bass or what back in those days but no everybody i mean she's and then you know and 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 he's you know the second record and he's having more trouble with them you know the amp sounds like shit you're too high to play you're hungover from last night go back home we'll do it again i'll you know i'll get somebody else i'll do it myself if the keyboard player is rushing i'll play the my, anyway it who's, was a lot more problem who's who's keeping it un, in control at that point you Roger Prairie? No, 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 no one Nobody's is. Keeping no it one anymore. is. No, just him, him and Umberto and me. That was it. And uh, and that's when I met Richard Marks. Richard Marks came in the studio one day because he wanted to meet David, and Bill tried to kick him out of the studio. And I just went, "Come on, he's a fucking kid. Let him stay in the studio with the." And so we got to be friends. And yeah. I've been writing songs with him for, for thirty forever. years. Yeah. You know, that's probably your longest, maybe musical partnership oh yeah well long, long, no roger roger okay Prairie, yes roger other roger, than Prairie. them that is i, I guess i but, meant maybe song songwriting maybe or songwriting yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway let's so play a anyway little. so so i was gonna say we sure. we did that so we did she's a beauty right and, and you have another signature and song we now. have another signature and the and it goes berserk and it goes like to the top of the charts and, and it's then, all over mtv they, they and they go berserk everybody goes nuts and the tour is even bigger, and the you know unbelievable, and and and, and all this time, festering, is them being pissed off that we wrote another song outside the band, I, right? You know, you would think even after, though the result is is stellar, stellar. Are they at, are, we're playing? Is, is you know, we're playing twenty thousand seaters. You know, we've got five tour buses. We're you know, oh fuck. They're not trying to sabotage these songs live, though, are they? No, no, no. They would. They, no, they no, were. No, they were professionals no, no. that way. Total pro. Right. Yeah. Try. Yeah. Well, you know, some people would. No, no. Not your no, guys, not, but no, some. No. Let's hear a little. She's a beauty. Everyone knows this song. That's Lukather right there with them. Yeah. Step right up and don't be shy. Because you will not And that's a Canadian phrase, you know. Beauty. Beauty, eh? Yeah, oh yeah, yes. Beauty, yes. eh? That's where that's that's where it came from. Used to be a naked girl. David maybe changed it. David Foster. You see, you can't say naked. You gotta say naked. It's about a hooker. The whole song is about a hooker. Right, but he didn't. He he wanted people to have to think a little bit about it. He didn't right. want to. Don't say naked. Don't. Did uh, and you guys uh, you incorporate the uh, the 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 plastic tube on this uh, on the sticker of the album, so you guys to let people know, hey, this is the band that did. Talk yeah. to you later, yeah. and then you have. Uh, and I want to know about this, the monkey time with Martha Davis. Let's hear it first, and then you can talk about it. Okay. What a voice! Yeah. We just did a gig with her. Plates, 
So good. Major Lance. So Curtis good. Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, Martha was on, motels were on uh, Capitol also, and we were, we, we knew them. Mm-hmm. I had just done a movie with her, this, the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure movie. Okay. That was Martha. And so I knew Martha, and they said, well, we want to do a duet. And I said, well, let's have Martha. She's a great singer. So Martha came, and, uh, and did the session. It was great. We had a great... And then when we got ready to follow up She's a Beauty with this song, her manager kiboshed the whole thing. Called him up and said... Her, his name was Val Garay. He, was a, he, he had a recording studio in L.A. He was her manager, Motel's manager. He's a big L.A. producer guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Dick. <laughs> Complete dickhead. Well, he, made, he, a, he made a horrible decision. He made, yeah, he said, you can't release this because the motels, it'll hurt the motels release that's coming out in five months. And we, what are you talking about? If this is a big hit, it's only going to help. Yeah. You know? And no. what, if, he, if he would have said, hey, we can do this, but we'd also like this to be on the motels album, uh, you guys uh, probably would have said, oh, sure. Well, sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Cause her- so he, he injuncted it. They, they refused to release it. And then we had one of our background, Michelle Gray, one of the girls, our background singers in our band, replace her vocal. But by the time they did it, it was, what, eight months later, you know, after yeah. we went through the legal bullshit and then they didn't release it. And then we got another thing and we got it mastered and then got to put it out and blah, blah, blah. By then, the, everybody went, she's a what? And it's, we're done. She's a beauty. Yeah. You're on to the next. Yep. And so what happened was we get ready. We've got two big hits under our belt. We get ready to do the third record, right? And and Foz. But you do a solo album in between there. I do, well, before that, we 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 Foz sits down with the band when okay. we're ready to do the third record. Before I go off to do. I'm anything, sorry. I, I see where you were going. I interrupted you. Go ahead. He says, "Okay, look. Here's the deal." And after the second record, the drug problem had gotten even worse, right? Because there's more money. Right, because there's more money. So you can buy more drugs. Right? Better, better stuff. Coke is the most insidious drug in the world. I mean, I, I can't, unbelievable. Anyway, uh, so he says, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to do four songs with me and Fee and Luke. So we'll have a single, we'll have a follow-up, we'll have another follow-up. Four choices of single follow-ups. On side B, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can record it. You can produce it yourself. He didn't want to work with us, right? Yeah. He said, "You just well, I'll do side A. We'll get all these other guys to play the songs. Yeah, right. We'll have a big hit. You guys do side B, and 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 they all flipped out. Now you're caught in the middle of this and because I'm you're, the these are your right. oh, these are your longtime friends, but right. this is the guy who's finally broke the band, and you get right. along with him, and you write with him, right? And and there's no denying that his work is making us a fortune. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're huge. We're the she's a beauty went to number two. You guys opened for Bowie on right, this tour, for a right? Whole tour. We opened for Bowie with Peter Gabriel opening for us. Oh my God. Yeah, it's 75,000 seaters every night. This was 83 when we did. She's a beauty. Oh my God. And so 
when we come back, you know, so they all freak out. 85. And what they is the freak out? What is their argument? They don't have. They don't have, don't have a leg to stand on. I know, but they just said you can't tell us what to do. This okay. is we're a band. This yep. is our band. We're going to do what the fuck we want to do. And I'm in the middle, and I'm going, and I understand both sides. Sure, but I'm saying, you know, if we don't do this, we're fucked. Yeah, you can. They could also clean their act up. Right. If you go back to if you go back to Todd, we're gonna we're fucked. Everybody and, and the record company is going, no, 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 don't do this. Management's going, no, no, don't do this. Booking agent, no, don't do it. Accountant even is going, no, 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 don't do this. Yeah. And I'm going, you guys, don't do this. Just don't do this. Fuck, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. No, they, they did it. They fired him. And so they go to Todd. And that's when I went to L.A. and said, well, fuck. Here, it's David Foster. He's sitting there with his dick in his hand with nothing to do. Yeah. I'm going to go make a solo record. And so I did. So I went to Capitol, and I talked him into giving me money to do a record with David. And so I did my record. I did uh, Read My Lips. I, uh, I listened to but, this whole album today. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to play uh, a little bit of You're Still Laughing. Oh, okay. That was the, that was the uh, first single. Or the single. The only single. Well. This is Luke III. Miss me and Foster. Jeff Picaro played on this. This would have been a tube song. That was what I was trying to convince them of. This is the next tubes record yeah. right here, you know, and and but but uh, they didn't they didn't really do much with it. And then I went back to San Francisco. I did. I moved to L.A. to do this. And this was released and, on Capitol, also. Yeah, it was on Capitol because they they yeah. had you. So because they owned me, right? And yeah. they gave me the money. Yeah. So and you, and they gave and you I Foster, Foster and Lukather, right. and, and so Foster would send me out to guys that I didn't even know. Adrian Gervitz, go write, go write a song with him. Go write a song with that guy. Go write a song with that guy. And I wrote a four or five, I guess, with Luke. And, uh, and, uh, and I got, after that Bowie tour, I got Jerry Murata to come and play drums oh. because that tour with Bowie and, I mean, the guy's amazing, you know. So anyway, we went back and we did Love Bomb. And if you listen to it, I only sing three songs on the record. When every other record, other other tubes record, I sing every song except one. So you sing piece by piece, which I brought to the band from my record. It was a song, a keyboard song that I wrote with a guy named Tom Snow, who did the X Files music. He might have written some stuff like on Footloose and stuff like that too. Been around, and I brought it back to the band. That should have been a gigantic hit. And uh, piece by piece was the only, and and it's the only song on the record that the 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 radio, the record company wanted to play. They made it the first single, mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, that and feel it and what Stella. You don't sing "Come as You Are." Not all of it. I think it's with with them all. Mike sings. Roger sings. Everybody sings. Todd and might they did even it. sing somewhere on there. Todd too. probably did sing. Probably so did. they they want to work so with Todd. Is Todd, and Todd's fine with the shape they're in? He did it with them. 
He did. Yeah. Wow. I shouldn't say that, should I? I can take that best, out. That if was, you don't want that in there, I'll take it that's, out. I mean, as far as I, I don't, I, I was never present, you know. Yeah. But uh, how could you not? You know, uh, I don't know. Well, let's hear. Let's hear a little piece by piece. Roger made this into a guitar song. there any videos for this album i think there was a video for this song a con- like a collage like a, car- like a cartoon or something yeah, maybe. A collage yeah. thing. your voice is great on this Foster. Yeah. Foster won't let you get away with anything. We don't we don't do that. Sometimes we do that. Stella's the one you did this past time. We did this, this we did Stella, but I mean we usually do this as the very last song of the night. If we're really wasted mm-hmm. and we don't have another gig where I don't I have to save my voice yeah. for the night, tomorrow night. So it's really high. It's really high. So this album comes out, it does not do anywhere close to what the previous stuff did. Terrible. And so what what what's the touring situation at this point? Well, what happened was we're supposed to, we, the, the regular, the regular thing was we would always like go out in April tour to November and then take off the winter and work on a new record <laughs> and have a new record come out in the spring. Right. So and then you'd be ready for the and, summer again. Right. And, and that's the way we did that year after year after year we did this. And, uh, for love bomb, how, how involved but, were you in the studio? Were you, were you bummed that Foster wasn't there? So did you, I don't want to say half yeah. acid, but were you, I was there for a couple of God. There, I have one great story of. I was there for uh, for most of the time. I was not there. Okay. I did those three songs when you know, and I was there for a mix. I went for Todd mixing Stella, and I've said this before, but I w- we were at Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, and we're mixing Stella, right? And I'm used to working with David Foster. Todd, Todd, you know, he says, "Okay, run it." So they run the track. You know, and he's playing with the board, mm-hmm. right? And he goes, "Okay, stop!" And you know, and and I'm I'm like an idiot. I'm you know with Foster, you you know you you run through it like a f- billion times, making <laughs> notes each time. Okay, the guitar in the back section of the third row and the verse number fourteen. And that's and why you, David you Foster bring has it up a little bit sixteen on Grammy the, Awards or whatever. Right. Yeah, and and <laughs> and I'm over there. Making notes like you know, bring up the background vocal and the mm. second chorus and the blah blah blah, and we we get through it and Todd goes, okay, let's go, do it, run the two track, and I just went, what? That was it. That was it. Because yeah, we're ready. Here, let's go. <laughs> he, uh, and I just goes, I just had my mouth hanging open. You know, you maybe twice we went through it on the twenty four track to to get levels. Wow. And this wasn't automated. This is before automation. You just said it. That was it. There was nothing moving. Right hmm. back then, you didn't have automation. It wasn't no Pro Tools to fix anything, and I just kind of went. And that's how it stayed. Uh, yeah, that was it. Okay, okay, great. And that was it. And that was the end. That was the end. 
And that was the what what happened was we're supposed to go out on tour in April. In April, the record company releases us. Capital releases us, after which is th- amazing after th- after two, three records, but after two gigantic albums. Yeah, they released us. So when we go out on tour, we have this big tour planned. We've got no radio. We've got no record company. We've got no promotion. Only diehard fans would know anything about the album. So we got, I mean, it was a complete disaster. The whole tour was a disaster. And, uh, and I, remember, I still remember we drove up to some gig and there's a big marquee on the side of this arena and it says, Tubes, canceled. <laughs> and that's when we found out. That's like when a we spinal tap. Up, when we roll up in the bus, you know. It was. It was, it was, called, the, it was called the Tubes. It was called Spinal Tour. Utapia and Spinal Tubes. <laughs> Uh, so that, you were on tour with Utopia? The last tour was with Utop with Todd opening for us. Okay. Yes, the last tour with Utopia. Yeah. Not Todd. Utopia with the old guys. Uh yeah, with Chasm and with Willie Chasm, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, we just saw Chasm was playing with uh uh where did we see Chasm? Oh, we did a gig with Blue Oyster Cult. Chasm was playing bass. Yeah, that's who he's with now. Right. He, he, uh, and we played with Martha just not too long. In Fresno, a couple weeks ago, we played with the motels. Martha was great. She still sounds amazing. Yeah, she's great. It's boring, but it's great. You know, I mean, but... <laughs> and, then, and then, so after, after Love Bomb, you're, that's it for you. After Love Bomb... That's it for everyone, basically. Well, until... yeah, I told him. I mean, my last resort... What were the... Well, let me ask, what were the shows like if these guys were a mess or not their best like were you do you think the audience knew or did you get did you guys get through it Uh, or were there times when you walked off and you were like embarrassed that that just happened no it It was never never that that okay no it never got that weird it was never steven tyler no okay no it was it never got that bad okay cool we didn't have that much drugs okay they had a lot of drugs and they get they get high every night they go to a town and they find somebody with drugs and they get high and before the show they'd get high Uh and but it wasn't where you were incapacitated okay good good and then they'd start drinking and then you know by the end of the show everybody was drunk and having a good time and And i'm not digging for dirt i just want you to know that i'm not i'm just asking that everybody it wasn't wasn't any different than anybody else did it was all the same everybody did it and we we uh so that tour was a complete nightmare. It was a disaster. And, and I, like I said, my last hurrah to try to get them to use David Foster was to say, look, I'm going to quit. I'll quit the band. If you do this, I'm quitting. Because that's, that's as much and power as you have as a lead singer. That's, that's all, all you have. Do. That's all I had to do. Uh, that's all I had. I could say, I, I'm, I'm quitting. If you guys do this, this is a huge mistake. We're fucked if you do this, and I'm going to leave. And then what are you going to do? You're f- really fucked then. And uh, Yeah, they couldn't go on YouTube back then and find a Fee no. Wable sound like. I just met Steve O'Jerry. He's really a cool guy. I, He's a really a cool guy. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I, I love Journey. Uh, this Arnel Pineda does a fine job, but for me, Steve Ajiri was really a really nice fit for those guys. He was really good. He was we really did a, good. I saw I, him twice live with Journey. Yeah. yeah, we did a we did a I do this uh, lead singer gig where you get a backup band and you have like five or six yeah, different. Yeah, lead Z- singers. Xander does that, and Ro- uh, I do it with Robin. It's uh, called it's the Rock so Pack. I do it with John Payne from Asia, Robin Xander. We did it with Lou Graham last time, okay. Steve O'Jerry, Great. No, Bobby Kimball. Uh, I've seen all these guys Mickey live. Thomas. Uh, we had Steve Walsh. 
we have a, a bunch of guys. And you just come out and you all do your hits. And we all do our hits. Okay. Right. And usually there's five or six of us. Some of them, I mean, we have a, a pool. We see who's available. Who, right. You know, some people are bigger than in some areas than other people. As an audience member, but, how is that not the best show you see oh, that it's week? So, he's so great. The, the, he, he stole the show. The, the people went nuts. Which guy for stole the show? Steve. Oh, Jerry. Steve Jerry, yeah. They went crazy for Jerry. I thought Lou Graham, I mean, foreigner. Yeah. I mean, come on, foreigner, are you kidding me? And he can really sing. Yeah. Lou can really sing still. I saw and him at the Canyon Club just a couple years ago. I couldn't believe it. And, and But Steve was just, they went crazy. He, he was the star. People loved and, him when he was in Journey. The, yeah. the Journey community, yeah. I'll say. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved him. I guess they're doing a gig. They're, they're coming to LA, I think, pretty soon. But anyway, I was going to say... Uh, uh, so you say you're going to quit I said I'm going to quit It didn't make any difference They wow. still did it We still were screwed At the end of the tour We owed a fortune We couldn't pay our bills At the end of the tour We couldn't do it We couldn't pay the video And the truckers And the gas and So the how do they get paid? Well the, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling them I'm quitting And the accountant Is telling the, the manager quit The record company quit The booking agent quit Everybody quit Except the accountant Okay This woman Okay. Nice, nice woman named Lisa Freemer. And Lisa says, you know, you're the only guy that didn't snort all of his money. And so who do you think people are going to come to looking for their money? Oh, who? Because you're the only guy that has some money. So you're going to have to do something. You're, you can't just walk away from this. You can't do it. You cannot. You're going to have to do something to take care of all these people that you owe money to. And uh, uh, so I said, okay. And so what I did was I, I took over. I fired everyone. I fired all the crew. I fired the dancers. I got rid of, I sold all the equipment, not, not the band equipment, but the staging shit. Yeah. Uh, and we started doing gigs and that I booked and little clubs. Okay. And I took all the money. They were not happy. They did not like me at all. I gave them $100 a show. I'm telling God. I shouldn't tell you this. Anything you say can be taken out well, afterwards. It's the truth. All right. It's the truth. And they know it. They know it. It's the truth. Have it's you... what happened. And I took, every time I did some gigs, I pulled the money and I went to somebody and if I owed him 20 grand, I said, look, I'll give you 15. I'll give you 12. I'll give you 15 to make this go away. And to make it go away. Okay. I owe you 20 grand. We're screwed. I'm quitting. You know, take the money or if someone thinks that if someone thinks they're never going to see 20 and you offer 12, they're going to go, all right. Yeah. And I did this with everybody. There must have been 10 or 15 different people the sound company, the trucks, the lights, the video, the crew. The uh, I mean, I, the last payment I'll never forget the last payment was Wells Fargo Bank owed. The, I owed $50,000 to Wells Fargo Bank because they always, you always would get like a tour. A startup pool to buy gear and blah blah yeah. blah because you're big time and at the end of the tour you pay them off when you make a big pile of money well we didn't have any money so i had the last after the last gig i had 30 grand and i went to well i came to la and i went to the head of wells fargo and said here's 30 that's it take it or leave it that's it i'm quitting <laughs> the band is done you'll never see another dime does a bank take it too? they took it they All took right. it they took it and they wrote, I don't know what happened. Yeah. I have no idea. They took it. That was it. I mean, I don't have Wells Fargo on my butt, not, you know, trying to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good. And so that's what happened. I, I paid everybody off. 
I went to the band and I said, look, you can have all my shit. You can have my seventh of all of the shit, of the, all the equipment. We were hippies. We, did, we split everything evenly. Mm. But we didn't even split songwriters' royalties until the last couple of records. It didn't matter who wrote, wrote it. it. Everyone got a little Everyone piece. got a seventh. Everything was split even. And uh, uh, I said, okay, I paid the rent for three months. I'm leaving. See ya. And I walked out the door. And I got in my car and I drove to L.A. And I got somebody to live in my apartment in San Francisco. And I went to L.A. and I stayed with my girlfriend at the time. Not Elizabeth. It was before Elizabeth. It was Joni. I stayed with the, my girlfriend. And, uh, and then I ended up getting an apartment. And I lived in L.A. And that's when Richard Marks started selling records. You know, this was 88, 89. His first record was 89. And... Uh, I had four songs, five songs on his first record. How did you hook up with Richard? I met him that day in, that the, day studio. in the studio. He came to see David Foster at Davlin Studio. Or no, the Lion's Share. It was called the Lion's Share. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Davlin. It was in the Valley. It was called the Lion's Share Studio, and we were recording. And Richard came because he had, he had his father was a big-time jingle writer in Chicago. And he was a kid, and he wrote a song, and he sent it to L.A., and I think it was either Kenny Rogers or Lionel Richie did his song. I think it was Kenny Rogers did his song. So he came out to L.A. and he met Lionel Richie. And Lionel, he told Lionel Richie, I want to meet David Foster because he's a great producer and blah, blah, blah. So he told him where he was. Okay. He got a hold of him. Richard showed up in the studio and he's sitting in the back of the studio, not saying a word. He's a little, you know, a little 18-year-old mm -hmm. kid sitting there looking around and bill is hungover can't play his part foster said his his amp sounded like a washing machine <laughs> says you sound like shit you know and so he's having a fight with him and he's pissed off and and he turns around and sees richard and i told i told you before he said you know who the fuck is this you know get this kid out of the fucking studio this what the fuck what's he doing in here and i just said dude just go Play with your washing machine, okay? It's just a kid. He wants to meet Foster. Yeah. Give him a break. And so after that day, Richard said, you know, I think you're, I like your lyrics. Will you write a song with me? And I said, well, okay, I'll write lyrics for you. No problem. And he, he ended up, uh, at about 19, he ended up going, okay, I'm going to be a songwriter. And he moved to L.A. and said, I'm a song, I want to be a songwriter. Write some songs. Good for him. And uh, he started trying to shop songs. And he to, did. To people, yeah. He lives in Malibu now. I see him, uh, well, actually, I, since he married Daisy, I haven't seen him in a while. He doesn't change. Richard Marks does not age. No, no. He looks so amazing. He's Oh, well, he's this waif. He's a frail. He's, he's insane. <laughs> he weighs 150 pounds, and he does like an hour on the Stairmaster. And I'm going, dude, what the fuck? What do you want to try to get to 130? Yeah, have a chili give, dog. Give, yeah, eat a hamburger. <laughs> Jesus. And now they're vegan. Oh, boy. Daisy's Here we a go. vegan. So they're all vegan. Oh, Jesus. He's going to waste away to nothing. I, I mean, they said, come over for Thanksgiving. And I said, and? And we're going to have this big vegan soy turkey. Tofuki. Tofuki. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. No vegan turkey for me. Jesus. So you're maintaining um, 
uh, you're making a living with Richard Marks writing songs and stuff during all this period. Do you tour solo during this period? No, no, you're not, and you're not recording. You're not. Well, I'm recording with Richard. Yes, background vocals and stuff. No, no, I have about six or seven songs with me with uh, a Fee Wavell's Mm -hmm. album. You mean you mean right now? Now, yeah. Okay, because right you now. do. Could you also release uh, "Don't Be Scared by These Hands"? No, 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 no. That was Bruce and Richard. Okay. Bruce Geich. No, I have a, right. a new song, have an, okay. a new album with six, about six songs that we have in various stages of completion okay. right now. And you recorded his house. We've recorded all over the Every place. place. We used. I mean, at his old house in Chicago, he had a full-on recording studio. He had a, everything. It was it was a um, unbelievable. And then. You know, he got a divorce, and then that was pretty much the end of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's the end of that. And so now we, you know, we do little studios, and uh, we've, you know, done people's bedrooms, and and it's and, like back in the that back in the day when you guys did it, you you had to be at, at a big studio to get that sound, but now you can kind of get it in, in these smaller rooms or these other alternative recording yeah. facilities. Yeah, you can. I I I still I mean. I don't know. It's just, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just not like it used to be. I mean, with mm. Pro Tools, you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want. I mean, it's, if, you, if you're actually good, it's really great because you can fix little dinky things easily, mm-hmm. quickly. But if you suck, it can make you great. And that's <laughs> you know? no good. And that sucks. No. That's, that's, that's brutal. I mean, back in the old days, we didn't have any of that. I mean, we had to, we used to punch in on the 24 track, you know, to edit stuff and to. uh, On tape. On tape. I did this, you know, I mean, some people, uh, uh, Dave Grohl is a friend of mine. And uh, I met him in a costume store years ago in the Valley. And And he's a music fan, so he probably approached you. No, I approached him. You approached him. He was with his wife, and I saw him, and I went, oh, my God. And I was a huge Foo Fighters fan. Oh, I, I love too. Foo Fighters. I love them. Maybe the last great rock and roll oh, band. My, the only great one the only right, great now. One, yeah, right now. Yeah, right now. So we've been friends for years, and uh, we've played with him a couple of times, and uh, he let me sing their last record, uh, Wasting Light. They did Analog. And I yeah, sang they background you, vocals. They'd give you a little piece of the tape actually came in the CD. Oh, that They cut really? it all up, yeah, and oh. put it in there. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, two with Butch Vig, two 24-tracks simptied together, and we sang every note. I mean... And that was know, at Dave's house, right? That was his house. Yeah. The vocal booth was in the garage, and the recording room with the, with the machines were... Uh, uh, I mean, with the mixing board was upstairs from the garage where the where the tape machines were. And what's the console he and, bought? The Neve? Does he have? Is that what it's called? The the what's the famous? A Neve? Yeah, I think he has yeah, a Neve. Yeah, I think or a Soundcraft. I think he's a, he has a Neve. That's what the old killer. That's what all the studios had to have a Neve. Yeah, you know that was your that was your state of the art. So after all this, um, all this stuff going down with the tubes, how do you guys? reconnect who makes the first call how do you guys decide that well when uh we got back together in like early 94 i think mm-hmm. i'm not sure 94 93 i can't remember you, you, an album and, comes out in 96 so maybe yeah, that's around the time yeah uh but uh uh little by little 
I mean, it's I I pretty much run the show. Mm-hmm. That's that's the long and short of it. Is little by little I took over, so I pretty much do everything. everything. But so did you? Did you initiate so, this uh, regrouping? No, no. Well, no. Actually, uh, they called me up after about seven years of me living in L.A. and them beyond, and them going through the various incarnations of having Dave sing. Then he didn't sing, and then Vince left the band and Vince joined the Grateful Dead in 1991 to become the keyboard player for the Grateful Dead. So they lost him. So they got another keyboard player and then they, you know, for a while Roger sang and then the keyboard players. Uh, anyway, in, they called me up and said, uh, we have an offer for a Euro tour. <clears throat> Once again, it's Europe. We said, there's a, there's a promoter in Europe who, will, who, who would, offer us a 60-show tour of Europe, but only if you're in the band, only if I'm in the band. Okay. That's what they said. So, uh, and, I, and, I, and the, at the time, they had this booking agent guy who was notorious. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like a, like a crack whore, you know? <laughs> but was this a legit thing? Were there 60 shows? Well, that's, that's what they told me. Okay. They said, I said, now look, I said, okay. And I knew who the promoter guy was because we had toured. His name was Henning Torgel. Uh, and I said, we, he's the guy that we had toured for before. So I knew he was real. He was a real guy. And so they said, but it only works if... I said, you don't have to do a big show. You can just play the songs, but it has to be with you. And I said, okay. And I said, well, this agent is full of shit. And I'm, I know this guy's going to screw me. And so I want my money in front, okay? I want, you know, I can't X amount of Whatever thousand, it is. You whatever want it. it is. Yeah. I, I said, you give me my money first. And then I'm good. I'm fine. And the guy, I don't have to worry about the guy. And so that, I mean, they said, well, what about rehearsing? And I said, well, I'm not rehearsing <laughs> till I get my money. <laughs> I said, I'm, I know the songs. Yeah. God knows I know, sang them for 17 years, yeah. okay? I can do this material. Don't worry about it. So they said, okay. You don't yeah. want to invest any time no, and then be I just, I figured, screwed. Yeah. I, they had, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was Spinal Tap. I mean, the, the guitar player's girlfriend became the manager of the band. It was Spinal Tap in the flesh. Okay. And this girl was an idiot, okay? And she's now a booking agent. I won't say her name, uh, but they know. Everybody knows, and she knows, and they and she has n- had no clue at all. And so here I am with this bonehead girl who had no clue about how to do it. I, I just I said, well, I don't believe you guys have got their got it together. So I I want I want I don't want to take a chance. So I fi- I ended up finally getting the money, and I never ended up rehearsing with them. I knew all the songs. So and then we went to Europe. We did the tour. We did it was like sixty shows. We did a big tour of Europe, and then. And how we, is everyone feeling physically at that point? Are they, everybody was good. Well, okay. uh, that was the my first question was, well, is everyone a fucking drug addict still? <laughs> that was my first question. Yeah. They went, no, everybody's straight. All right. No, all we there's no more. And they proved drugs. to you that they were. Yes, they don't. No, there was no more drugs, and it was just it was Roger and Rick and Prairie and this keyboard player named Gary Cambra, who was the guy that replaced Vince, and. Uh, and they were all straight. And so I didn't have a problem. It was fine. And so we stayed together. I mean, we kept playing and kept doing gigs. And that's, we've been together since then. Since and then you recorded uh, Genius did, of America. Then we did Genius with Gary. You're going to play a song from Genius, right? What? I'm going to play the title track. 
Oh, Genius of America. Okay, Gary wrote that. Uh, uh, Gary Canberra. Gary and I wrote the lyrics. Hard trade. They steal the deal we made. Take to the sun and make it work by the hour. Talk like us till every man turns sour. You improve by now. You can own the sacred cow. Recycle theme parts, as we'll meet with fun. Gold mine, garbage dumps, buy it by the ton. It's an exhibition, cruise the fiction, an advertising desecration. It leaks away like a tide on a stone. It takes away the genius of America. Sounds great. That's a good song. Yeah. I love that song. The other two that I have queued up from that album, I have uh, How Can You Live With Yourself and Big Brother's Still Watching. You want to hear either one of those? Well, How Can You Live With Yourself is the song I wrote with Richard. Well, and Richard plays most everything on it. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's probably one of the best songs I ever wrote. Was on the radio And I'm sure the road From now to then Is long and even When it all gets old The glamour and the gold I mean, Richard is a genius. I mean, he wrote that. I mean, it's just the great. I mean, that song just kills me. Every time I hear it, it kills me. Now, you, yeah, and you, I'm sure you haven't heard that with headphones on in no, quite a long, for a long time. time. Now, not for a long time. Your voice, you have a, you have, you have, a, 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 I always use the word amazing, but you know what I mean. You have an amazing voice. And, but I think, I think because of people think of you as this, as this, um, as this performer and maybe not all the time as a singer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the songs I played today and people listening to the show today will realize how much range you have. You're almost like a kind of like a vocal chameleon. You can do so many different things and sound, you can rock and sound this way, but you can rock and sound another way. And then you hit me with these ballads that are yeah. breaking my heart. Yeah. And that's I'm, how I feel. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really lucky with my voice. Uh, uh, and I, and I, the show before this, I did Pavarotti. I did James Brown Pavarotti duet singing both parts in Pavarotti in Italian. Well, that can't be easy. Oh my God. I mean, it's <laughs> the greatest though, but, and I love Frank. I mean, uh, uh, you know, back in the old days, I would always do, uh, you know, one thing, I never did drugs. I was always worried about my voice, and I always kept took care of my voice. I never had nodes or anything, but I would do acupuncture all the time in on the road, and they stick the needle right in your throat. Right in your throat. Right into Not your Not inside your cords. mouth. No, no, no. Right through right through, right your here. neck, okay. right here at the hole in the bottom of your neck, mm-hmm. into your vocal cords. 
And I mean, does that hurt when they do that? It doesn't. It's like I don't know if you've ever done acupuncture. I have. When you hit the right spot, it's kind of a dull. It's not really sharp pain. It's a kind of a dull, throbbing kind of pain. And uh, and they used to. I, I used to. I would lose my voice because they. You know. I remember looking at an old itinerary and they had like thirteen in a row. And I just went, oh, that's ridiculous, 13 yeah. in a row. Well, you can't do 13 in a row. And then I would have to find an acupuncturist because yeah. I'd lose my voice. And, and those every time, it worked every time. Yeah. It was amazing. Amazing. The keyboard player can do 13 in a row. Uh, yeah. But not the singer. I can't 13 in a row. It's just unbelievable. I mean, today, I, I, four is pushing it. Four mm-hmm. is really pushing it. I, four in a row, back to back. Four in a row, to back. back to back in a different city is, uh, that's pushing it. When we go on tour, sometimes I have to do that. Uh, like when we go on tour in Europe or England, like we're going to, I think there's four in a row this time. We're going to uh, just the UK in November and we're opening for Alice uh, in bigger, in, in this arena, we're playing Manchester Arena where this Ariana Grande show just had this horrible. That's a big venue. You know, yeah, it's, Yeah. And Birmingham Arena and Wembley Arena. We're playing a bunch of big shows with Alice and then a bunch of club shows on our own. Uh, but uh, That's a great double bill. I mean, yeah, musically and theatrically. I mean, yeah. Alice Cooper's catalog is we played, ridiculous. Oh, I know. We've played with Alice quite a few times over the years. Everybody says the same thing. Oh, it's so theatrical. It's such a great show and such a good combination. Mm, and, it is perfect. Uh, we've We've... We threatened to go out on the road with him before, uh, but uh, you know Shep is Shep is a peculiar guy. His manager Shep, and he's a good guy, but I mean he's he he really watching out for Alice, and we've never it's financially it's never made sense for mm-hmm. us to go out with him because they Alice wants all the money, and I don't blame him. You know he works hard, and he's got all these. Side men, you know, there's nobody yeah, these, from the original. No, band. it's all these young guns who all are, who are great. But, who are great, right? But, but Alice is the show. Yeah, you can put anyone behind Alice if they're good. Yeah, and he's the draw. Yeah, he's the draw, and he can he pulls it off. He pulls it off. So I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a good a good uh, a good tour. Uh, but we, but we last year we went and we did uh, last. Early fall, we did what twenty two shows. Mm-hmm. We did Germany, eight in Germany and Holland, and then twelve in the UK. And uh, and almost every show was packed. I mean, London sold out, Manchester, Birmingham, Newcastle, everybody. I mean, they, and then and then they got a hold of us. AEG got a hold of us and said, "Hey, you've done well. We we want you know you'll help us. You'll help this tour, this Alice Cooper tour. Fantastic. And uh, so uh, we're Really looking forward to that. Uh, Absolutely. A, a girl I went to high school, I guess she's a woman now, but a girl I went to high school with, uh, her name is Dawn Nail, and she never misses you guys. Oh, yeah. I know Dawn. She, uh, I know Dawn. She goes to the show in uh, Annapolis all the time, yeah, Maryland. Never misses you guys, always yeah. tweeting and posting in pictures with yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah she's... Yeah. Uh, I, I wanna, see her every time we do that. We haven't played... Uh, what's the name of that place? In uh, Ram's Head. Ram's Head is a club in Annapolis, mm-hmm. Maryland. That we've played a million times. Now, when I just saw you at the Canyon Club, you did a thing. I, I, I uh, as a music fan, I collect, um, I always take an album to the shows to get signed. I have like a hundred of them. They're all framed. They're all, uh-huh. see, I'm not a minimalist. They're all over my uh-huh. wall. 
But so uh, at the at the end of this uh, the Canyon Club show, I recently saw. I turned to my friend. I said, "Okay, let's go. Let's head out back and and wait and see if I can get signatures." And then you step up to the mic and you say, "Okay, we're going to come over here. Just let us get cleaned up a little bit, and we're going to come over here and do a meet and greet." Yeah. Do you guys do that all, every show? Every show. Every That's show. amazing. Every, well, not every show. Not the well, not Wembley Arena. Not well. I don't know what we'll do in Wembley. Probably not. But but every regular show like that, a club show, something like that, that we do and that it was every it show. was and it was all you guys. It wasn't just like because oh yeah, it yeah, wasn't really. like feed didn't come out. It was only these guys. And then the guy behind yeah. me, he had he had about eight albums. And I turned to my friend. I go, this is the kind of guy that ruins the whole thing. But he came up, and you guys signed we every signed. single one. Yeah. Every single one. We do. And you made uh, everyone there. You made our nights. That was really, really cool. We do. We we've been doing that for a long time. Uh, uh, actually, we did it originally. We did it because uh, uh, you know we wanted to sell more T-shirts. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of become a a, a a signature of ours, and and people always look for it. And now they know. Mm-hmm. So now they bring their CD or their album or their old T-shirt that I signed once, and they want me to sign it again. again. Oh, to make it darker and uh uh but but it's it, it's really been great yeah. i mean we everybody looks forward to it because you know well we're in there's we're, nothing like you know having someone just you know tell you how great you are true. every night after the show and, and um like i've been doing for two hours uh but i mean the, in the age of where artists are like charging for vip meet oh, and greet and all that stuff it's like i've never done that i will never yeah. do that you know that's kind of when we play casinos, they always do that. And I know that, you know, that's part of their deal. They have the high roller guy who yeah. is, once a, he doesn't want to just meet and greet you after the show in the t-shirt line. He wants a private, you know. Yeah. You know. So, okay, fine, you know. But we usually do it at casinos, but we don't sell VIP. No. In uh, in our regular club gigs, or and like, I get like it if you if you club. can if you can do it, and people are going to pay five hundred dollars to meet you. I guess all right, but I just can't see doing that. No, I mean I, I don't I don't think I don't know. I, I feel like I have if that if I've got some obligation now. You paid five hundred dollars to you know, and it, I'm just going to sign. It, it has to be now. How do I make it worth it right. for you what, guys? What, what extra do I have to do? Right. Now? Do I have to? Do I have to like write something special? Or I know. Do I have to sign your wife's tits or what? <laughs> what, the, what obligation is this incurring here now? So you know, I, I let's close it out. A couple, uh, couple quick things. Um, the last new music studio wise that we got from the tubes were 2001 couple of songs yeah. on the tubes world tour album we got digidoll right. and love line let me play yeah. a little love line is it did lucather help write this one yep lucather and foster here we go About a hooker, also. <laughs> I got your email and I couldn't believe you like my vibe and you wanted to meet. I bought the whole song, but there was something wrong. I didn't get it initially. I don't regret it, regardless.
So I just get, thought that I was doing good with you is the line from uh, Arthur. Remember? Boy, it's been so You're long. You're a hooker? Since, it's been so long since I've seen just Arthur. Just thought I was doing good, good with, with you. you. <laughs> okay, now I now I do I do recall. So I guess my question is, will we ever will there ever be new tubes music? Uh, I mean I know the climate of it. I know is it Yeah, it's hard. That and that Digital song was was uh was a song that Gary put together all by himself. Mm -hmm. I love that song. That was a big, that was, everybody loved that. Yeah, both of those songs are great. And we never do, now that, you know, the, Gary left the band in in uh, kind of a bad light. Uh, uh, so you don't want to do his and song. And so we don't want to do his songs. Although we did, the other day, uh, I saw him at a memorial service. I saw Gary and I hadn't seen him for a long, long, long mm. time. And uh, he seemed like he was nice, and he had gotten back together with his wife, and everything was great. And because uh, he's a great, great player, he yeah. was such a good keyboard player and guitar player. So we could do all those double guitar licks that from the old songs. And uh, uh, but I don't know. There's a Roger. Roger did a solo. We, we thought we were going to work on some new songs, and then Roger ended up. Uh, Doing a solo record, the Roger Steen Band. Is Roger that what it Steen is? Band. Yeah. yeah, he's he does he does little. I mean, he does tiny little gigs for you know, like if 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 he has to drive farther than like ten or fifteen miles to the gig, he's not doing it, <laughs> right? You know, so he does these little dinky gigs and little dinky re uh, restaurants and stuff, and uh, and then he did a solo record, and it's pretty good. The record's pretty good, and uh, it's not the kind of thing the Tubes would ever do, but uh, that's the problem is is you know we have it's like you you better live up to your reputation if you're going to do true. new songs it better be you know and that's what happens with all these bands doing they never live up to the hits that they it's have really tough the new asia album or the new uh sticks album yeah. or the new cheap trick album mm -hmm. or, well nobody gives a shit no one's nobody gives a shit about any new music. They don't. They're not buying it. I, I mean, still love. Released, it's so funny. I still love new music from my uh, my yeah. favorite. I call them veteran artists or I yeah. know, classic. I don't want to. Like nobody bought Genius of America or the live album, the Tubes World Tour. Nobody, yeah. nobody. We never saw another dime past the, you know, piddling advance that so they gave us. So there's so. not a reason to make new music. Well, but we're going to see some fee Wable music, maybe. Yeah, I think I'm going to finish off my record once, once, uh, probably not, probably this year. Uh, but it, then again, it's you know not not just that we have this to live up to with spectacular music. Then there's the you know where are you going to do it? Then I got to go up. I got to get a hotel room, and I got to live in San Francisco, or I got to go. Prairie's on the road. I mean, Prairie's on the road right now with He's Todd. Out. He's with Todd. Yeah. And we haven't done a gig. I mean, he's actually, we have a gig. Uh, we're opening for Richard at a performing arts center outside Chicago called New Lennox, the New Lennox Performing Arts something. And uh, really nice gig. And, uh, and we're opening for Richard Marks. Uh, and which we'll, we've only done once before ever in the history of the tubes. And will Prairie be... On Prairie's, that show? Yeah, Here. Prairie's on okay. the show. Because you kind of have and to schedule around what he's doing with... We do, but we have a substitute also. Okay. We, I mean, we're not really turning down gigs, but yeah. uh, we haven't done... We have we, we switched agencies this year, and uh, we're not doing a lot of the old gigs that we used to do. It's just, they're just too hard. You mm -hmm. know, they're too hard to do. And so the new agent has said, well, it's going to take a while to kind of ramp up everything. And uh, 
but the the euro thing uh, is a different agency. So the whole euro world is that's just going like a house fire. You know, that's doing well. But uh, I don't know when. I don't know. We we uh, last tour we were performing a, a new song, uh, "Life Is Pain." We were playing in the show, which is a song Roger and I wrote, and uh, on the last the last show, the last tour. The, yeah, but not this tour. No, there's nothing new in this tour. Give me that harp. We're doing Captain Beefheart. Uh, you did a couple covers in there. And we did, yeah, we did a we did Jungle Boogie. We did, uh, yeah, we did some covers. We did Liberty Valance. I mean, God, that's the best. It's great, great song. And so, and and the current the current lineup is Fee Wabel, Roger Steen on guitar, Rick Anderson on bass, Prairie Prince on drums, and on keyboards. Uh, gentleman's da- name is David Cambra. I mean, no, David Med. Gary Cambra was the keyboard player before. Yes, but then David Med is the current keyboard player. But he's like current for like the last for, fifteen yes, years. I know, yeah, he's been the current right, keyboard exactly. player. Exactly. He's yeah. the new guy. Yeah, the new guy. He's only been in the band for fifteen years. Well, we, we celebrated forty years last year. That and that's insane. Yeah, that's that you can still after forty years, people still want to hear this music live. They I still know. want to come out to see. They still want mind. to come over and shake your hand and get your autograph. Yeah, that's got to be great. Yeah, that's great. That I mean that that gig you saw the Canyon Club is like the ideal place to mm. see us. That's ideal yeah. because you've you've got seating, you've got standing, you've got food, you've got an upper level mm. where, you, where you're not obstructed, and the stage is big enough where I can go crazy. And yet I have the le- the stage left wing is all my dressing to change room. right. And uh, so it's I love playing that club. It's I great. love seeing bands uh, at that club. It's a great club. It's a great club. And uh, we played his place in Pasadena, and it's not as great. The Rose isn't as good. It's not as great. It's the proscenium kind of thing. It's supposed to be, you know, live music. It's supposed to be in a proscenium Mm -hmm. world. That's the theater. That's the way it's supposed to be. You know, so have you guys played the Saban? Have you done that one? We haven't done the Saban yet, but he keeps threatening to have us there. Uh, (laughs) We've been doing this uh, 80s tour thing with a a friend of ours who manages the smithereens and it's the tubes motels and smithereens and And you guys uh, all do full sets and we all do well pretty much they they do like everybody does we do about 75 to 80 minutes martha does an hour they do about an hour okay uh uh you guys are closing yeah 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 and uh we've done a bunch of them uh and they were talking about doing the Saban with this package, 80s package thing. But apparently the guy in the smithereens who is really a big guy. I mean, he's way, way o- overweight. And okay. apparently he's got some horrible, they think he might have like Lou Gehrig's disease or something. Lord. Something horrible. So they're not in, they're not in the package anymore. I don't think. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Someone, maybe get someone to, Take their place. We've done it with Berlin. We've oh, Berlin's it. great. Berlin, Terry, yeah, T- Dunn. Terry, she's been on the she's show. Great, love oh, her. Oh my God, she's she was really so great. much fun. Yeah, she was. We had a great time when we played with them. She's really great. And uh, who else was threatening to do it? Oh, Romantics were threatening to do it, but they, they never showed up. Yeah. So I don't know. They're. I, I keep hearing their ad on the uh, casino. They're playing Morongo. Oh, okay. <laughs> casino, eighties <laughs> night. Perfect. 80s night with a performance by yeah no well look the tubes are 
legendary. You have uh, been so nice tonight to allow me to come to your, your home and, well, uh, and, and talk to you. Uh, I, I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I certainly did. Well, I did. I, I did. I hope you get good uh, feedback from it. I can't yeah. imagine anyone. The thing, about the, the thing that I like about the show is if I have a, an artist on that people aren't familiar with, they come away and say, well, I got to go buy that music now. So right. that's, that's the takeaway always from my show is people will be like, oh, I just went out and bought the whole Tubes catalog this week because, and I'm like, great, that's Don't what do I that. want. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. We, I won't get any money from it. None. I'll get none. Really? Well, actually I will. I'll get songwriters. If, someone, go, songwriters. if someone goes, uh, will you make more money if I, if I download a Richard Marks song or if I download a Tubes song? Uh, I mean, a Richard Marks song that you wrote, obviously. If, well, yeah. If, or a Tube song that I wrote, probably Richard. Probably Richard. All right. I don't know. Well, I'm glad you had that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, I'm going to play out with something. I normally play out with a song. I'm going to play out with something that was a bonus track on the Completion Backwards Principle. Really? I, I think the, this the is... The remastering one? Or yes. What? Yeah, this is... I'm just going to play out with Tube Talk. Is this you doing this? Is this your voice? Say hello to a whole yeah. new way yes. of listening. This yes. is great. Yeah. Listen to Thank what you you've so been much, waiting Steve. for. Oh, you're welcome. You Thank asked you. for something My new, pleasure. and we heard you loud and clear, because when you talk, Tubes listen. This is who we are and what we do in the Tubes group. We're music people, people like you, seven individuals, one purpose. Diverse talents carefully blended. What do we do? We do it all. From the raw materials to the finished product, in millions of homes like yours, 24 hours a day, every day of the year, we'll be there doing it for you. It's not easy, but with your help, we're getting the job done. This is your day. Now it's your turn to enjoy everything we have to offer. You're number one. We're number one. You work hard and you play hard. You like the feeling of being all you can be. You deserve the best there is, and we give it to you. So why not reach out and grab all you can get? You've earned it. This is how we feel. If you have a need, we'll fill it. Give us a problem, we'll solve it. If there's a question, we find the answer. It's that simple. You're changing, and we're changing with you. It's time to say hello to us, the Tubes Group. We're here because you're there. <laughs>